Hello there. Welcome back to Lore of the Games. As always, with your lore keepers, Tyler Cirillo and... Kevin Pettit. Hey! And uh, today we're talking Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So, major spoilers ahead. We're probably going to have some crosstalk with the movies too, but we're going to avoid spoilers for other Star Wars media, you know, that this game isn't about, but might reference to, like Clone Wars, Rebels. There's going to be mentions, but no real spoilers. Jedi Fallen Order is probably the best Star Wars game we've seen in a long, long time. It's a third-person action-adventure game developed by Respawn, who was responsible for one of the best FPS campaigns ever in Titanfall 2. And uh, we're going to start with our impressions on the game, and then essentially go through each chapter. Uh, this probably is going to be our biggest and most in-depth episode yet, as Star Wars has some of the richest and deepest lore, so there's a lot to chew on here. And uh, they definitely take advantage of the Star Wars name. So, Kevin, why don't you tell us about your experience with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order? Oh, Dark Wars? Soul Wars? Um, <laughs> I absolutely couldn't have imagined the crazy minds that Respawn picked and created the perfect game for me. You took the elements of Dark Souls combat, uh, the theatrical and just crazy like triple a uncharted drake series of all the crazy explosions and everything like that um and set pieces that go along with those games and combined it with a metroidvania within the star wars universe tyler it was just like you know sugar spice and everything nice i i never could have imagined a game like this especially with ea as the publisher so Credit to EA, because like you said before, this is the best Star Wars game we have gotten in over a decade, probably since, would you say, The Force Unleashed, the first one? Yeah, th uh, that, was a, that was a fun game, you know, for the most part, and that was the last single-player Star Wars series we've seen, and then we got Battlefront, and, you know, we don't have to get into that, it was a disappointment. Yeah, I don't want to spend any time talking about the Star Wars Battlefront games, which were obviously major disappointments for numerous reasons, for lack of content, to uh, horrible single-player campaign, to the microtransactions. None of that. We are here to talk about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And Tyler, I had an absolute blast with this game. Um, the graphics were unbelievable. Um, the combat was so fun. Every encounter, I loved how grounded it was. And not to bring up the Star Wars Force Unleashed, where you're essentially in that game, you were like a Devil May Cry, Dante, crazy character. In this, it was grounded. You had to pick your battles, like, say, a Soulsborne game. And the lore was so fascinating, where it went way deeper than it does in, say, like, the Star Wars Rebels, the Clone Wars, or in the movies, where you had all these, like, memories. The cast was so endearing uh, with Cal, Seer, uh, everyone, the you could tell that there was real passion put into this game, and I got to say, I had an absolute blast. Definitely. Like, I feel the same way. I think it was great, and you can tell, like, this game was made by Star Wars fans. Like, these people, they love Star Wars, and it just, you can feel it in every, every part of the game. Um, the way the game explores the lore is really interesting. Cal has this 
force power called psychometry, I believe that's how you would pronounce it. So, like, he touches these things and it gives him, uh, like, you know, a description. He can kind of see the history of that object if there's um, an echo left by the force on it. And I think that's a cool way. Um, you know, Star Wars powers are just so great for video games, and that's a good example of one. And, um, you know, it's a good game. I think there is a lot more potential here than, like, you know, for a first outing, it's pretty good, but I could see I could see them doing a way better job the next time around. Like, but mm-hmm. we got some great foundations, you know. Yeah, I could totally see it. Like, I don't know if this is a good example, but maybe like how like Halo Combat Evolved kind of like kicked it off and then Halo 2 just improved on everything that was already great about it. Maybe along those lines where it's like, okay, like we played with this idea, you know, we know there's a market for it. People absolutely were dying for a single player Star Wars game. We gave them that. Um, and I feel as though this game has so much potential. Obviously, we're going to be at the end of the episode talking about potential sequels or what they can do going forward with the game. But overall, from the combat to the quirky humor to, um, I mean, it even had like some seriousness to it, which I love dealing with like PTSD, like we'll get to of Seer and everything like that, which touched on some real human elements, which I was very shocked by that. I thought I was getting ready just for another campy Star Wars, uh, you know, like that okay solo movie. Um, this is, yeah. the writing here is fantastic. It's, mm-hmm. it's very well done and all the characters are awesome. Like I love the whole cast, the villains and all too. Yeah, and... There are some things I do have issues with with the game, but they're very minor. Um, I felt as though overall I had a incredible experience with this game, and I'm already gearing up for my second playthrough. But I'm just letting it. I'm just settle. I'm gonna let it settle for a minute. I don't want to like hop right back into it. I just like I'm just still soaking in after what it turned out to be such an incredible experience. So yeah, overall, absolutely fantastic. What a uh, difficulty did you play through on? Oh, I'm I'm the worst. I just played it on the regular like difficulty. Uh, did you play it on the harder one? I, I like at some points it was too easy, and then other times it would get into that like frustrating like um, you know, some enemies I couldn't stand like the spiders, and you kind of get ganked by some of the little creatures and stuff like that. But for the most part, I just wanted to enjoy the game for its regular difficulty and just get through and just enjoy the story. So I didn't play it on the easiest, but I didn't definitely didn't go any harder than. Um, is it just like is Jedi like the normal one? I, I forget what the name of yeah, the different difficulties. I think Jedi Knight is like normal. I think I played through on Jedi Master, and then there's Grandmaster, or something like that. So I played mm-hmm. it on like the like a step up, which was a nice balance for challenge. I've tried some Grandmaster, and it's like, it's you know it's it's got a good challenge to it. So it's nice that they gave a ton of options and. They added the story mode in pretty late in the development just because, you know, this is Star Wars. It's going to have a huge net of people who want to play it. And they built this game with, you know, you got to take it slow. And there is some uh, challenge to the combat in certain scenarios. So they just wanted to make it accessible for everybody, which, you know, I like. And there's challenge there for those who want it. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely very nice of them very unlike from soft of them you know to uh add actual different difficulty modes and um you know coming straight off 
you know. Yeah, exactly. And it's also EA. They want to make sure they can get their people's hands on this as much as possible, the most people on it. Right. Um, but coming after, coming from Sekiro to this, it wasn't playing on Jedi Knight was it wasn't that difficult to be to say the least. Uh, I I uh, definitely died a few definitely on Dathomir. God, I yeah. Do know, <laughs> I that's definitely the swamp level of this video game, and Blight I. Town. It's the Blight Town. Yes, thank you. That's a perfect way of describing it. Um, I wanted to get off that planet as soon as possible, and unfortunately, you have to return. We'll get to that. But anyway, um, besides that, I really didn't have uh, that much of uh, difficulty through Jedi Knight. Um, some of the boss battles, once you start figuring out, uh, like with the second sister and all that, um, you know, I felt as though wasn't that much of a challenge. But I did, you know, I I've I did hit a wall a few times. Yeah. Uh- the last boss is pretty difficult and we'll like talk spoilers when we get there chronologically in the story and everything but the game does kind of train you for that final boss battle throughout the entire uh, game which is a cool detail i like that um but yeah i mean i thought a lot of the boss fights were pretty fun there was a decent amount of variety uh you know some were just reskins but or there was a ton of reskin mini bosses but uh you know it all just kind of adds to it when you're exploring around and backtracking through places giving you more to do um yeah yeah, i really enjoyed for the most part the combat the combination of the force powers with the lightsaber which is the most badass weapon in all of video games movies media in general in my opinion so i felt as though the continued um what's it called uh i'm sorry the skill tree sorry there we go the skill tree where you slowly kept getting more and more powers and being able to go up against different combat scenarios differently using these different abilities i that was such a nice touch um and i really felt towards the end like oh like i am a jedi knight and that's like that's all i want from my game like i feel like a badass now you definitely feel like you start off as an untrained padawan and over the course of the game you do become a jedi uh it definitely feels that way when you're playing through it the one gripe i have with this game is probably that the movement system you know it felt kind of lacking especially coming from respawn who you know the titanfall movement system is so fluid and you know it's easy to pick up but when you master it you can do some crazy looking stuff and you feel like a jedi in that game with all the crazy shit you can do and like the sliding around that's boring the swimming, I see why they put that in there, but I think swimming as a mechanic in these kind of third-person games is unnecessary for the most part. Like, it's slow, clunky, and, you know, I don't, I don't think it's that cool, water levels. But, you know, and the wall run didn't seem as fleshed out as it could have been, but it was still fun to explore it and get around the map. It, it, they feel like these big playgrounds for the most part where you're just jumping around doing Jedi stuff. Yeah, obviously they included, like you were saying, some of the gimmicky stuff, like the uncharted climbing, um, the wall running, which I felt like was a bit tacked on. And then they had the weird Sonic the Hedgehog sliding and platforming, especially on Kashyyyk when you're jumping on those weird, uh, essentially look like boppets that you're the just jumping plants. up. Yeah. Like, doing, doing, doing. Like, I was like, uh, what game am I playing? Yeah, that was a little weird. <laughs> I, I was kind of like, um, all right, I, I guess I'm a, a Jedi on a quest. I don't remember this in the movies, but, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, besides that, some of the stuff which they've kind of just took and made this giant, like, 
hodgepodge of different games together. I overall really just love this game. I will admit, and you will probably admit as well, we're huge Star Wars nerds, so there's probably a bias, and we've been wanting a Star Wars single-player game for quite some time. But I, bias aside, I think Respawn put out a very excellent game. And my other gripe is I ran, I didn't really run into that many bugs. People were complaining about glitches and bugs. The only places where I really ran into them was on Dathomir, but I heard the PS4 is the one that had the most glitches. I heard Xbox and PC were pretty good. Yeah, my uh, I have you have a PS4 Pro, which probably ran it better than like an original PlayStation because I had so many issues with texture pop-ins on my like five-year-old PlayStation 4. And like I remember every time I would go to change my poncho, I'd have to wait at least two seconds for the texture to show up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, places like Dathomir, it runs pretty terribly because that, that fucking map is huge. So it's just loading in so much stuff. Yeah, I definitely ran into the most glitches on Dathomir. And the other complaint I would probably have is the load times are very long, but that'll probably get patched out. But I do admit when you did die, it did feel like uh, it was even more of a burden that you might lose all your uh, experience points. But it also is like you're going to wait quite some time. So but that's just, you know, just a tiny little gripe. I'm sure that'll get patched out in time. Kind of like Bloodborne when that first came out uh, had very long load times. But when I got Bloodborne years later, it was like, oh, I don't know what these people are complaining about in the original reviews. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. You don't want to complain too much about that stuff. They can fix, I guess. <laughs> um, well, anyway, let's let's get on with the lore, Kev. You ready to talk some lore? Bum, 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 bum. Yes, let's do it. Let's, let's do it. All right, so our journey begins. We're playing as Cal Kestis, a former Jedi Padawan who's been hiding out on the planet Bracca since Order 66. So, Kevin, you mentioned the PTSD themes. Like, well, he's carrying around this trauma from the the experience of Order 66 for about five years. That's when this is set, five years after Revenge of the Sith. Because uh, he escaped, but his master, Jero Tapal, made a sacrifice and ended up dying, you know, during this Jedi purge. So Cal, Cal feels like he didn't have uh, what it took to save him and... This is basically his emotional arc throughout the story. Uh, he's mm-hmm. gonna, you know, learn to embrace who he is as a person and, you know, be the Jedi he was meant to be. And I love Cal. He's a great protagonist, and I love that uh, we find we got a, a cool ginger protagonist because I don't think there's a lot of redhead redheaded representation in male leads. Yeah, I was talking that with my friends the other day, and people still reference Carrot Top. I'm like, dude, that guy's from the 90s. Like, <laughs> we're, we're moving on. We do have some leading gingers now in the world, and Cal is fantastic. I think his overall mm-hmm. arc, it's just a classic Star Wars char- uh, character arc and just um, of one trying to, you know, push away and try and fight away their feelings instead of facing the actual problems that are actually going on. Um, I love that the setting opens up on Bracca and it's, you know, during that time of episode three and four, which are so much 
lore and potential during that weird time uh, once the Galactic Empire starts till uh, A New Hope when we get into the Skywalker. Well, I guess the Skywalker saga starts with Anakin, but you get into the Luke Skywalker saga. Um, I do like this time period that they chose to set it in. It's cool that they're fleshing that out more. Yeah, and I love that Bracca is essentially just a salvage dump for all the uh, ships um, and all the, uh, what's it called, Republic Star Cruisers, Separatist ships. So you see like a Separatist like Federation ship and you see all these things. You're like, oh, those are all from like, you know, the Clone Wars. So that's kind of cool, but it's, you know, um, a great reference to a time that had just happened, but you're enough time removed. So it's just a cool little reminder of where exactly in time you are. And it's a nice signifier of out with the old and with the new. They're literally destroying everything from the prequel era. And this is the OT timeline now. That's It's bridging that gap. So that's kind of a cool signifier that they would start it on like a scrapper planet where they're scrapping literally everything to do with the prequels. And here we are in this new time, time frame. Yeah, I was very much a fan of this opening tutorial uh, planet. It was a great, you know, epic just beginning to your journey as Cal. So, and I just, you know, as soon as you see that red hair, you're like, oh, let's do this. (laughs) I like that song it opens up with, that, that, like, throat, the throat chanting song. Mm -hmm. That that kind of threw me off. That didn't feel very Star Wars at first, but I I do like it. Yeah, I was kind of like thrown off a bit as well. I was like, wait, what game? There's several times during this game. I'm like, I feel as though it's given itself such an identity Jedi Fallen Order that it can be, you know, it does pay like there's Easter eggs and pays homage to like the the films and other media, but it has enough identity to be its own thing. Definitely. So, um, yeah, we start off on this uh, scrapper guild planet, Bracca. Um, Cal's been here for five years, like we said. He carries with him his master's lightsaber. And, you know, he's he starts having these visions throughout this level two, where he starts seeing his master again um, during the train segment. You'll see him. And he this th- these were his dying words to Cal. Trust only in the Force. And, you know, Cal has basically just been hiding out. He's in, in the reveal trailer they had the you know you know don't show who you are hold it all inside and then throughout the trailer it kind of tells the same story of the game he's like yeah trust only in the force at the end so he does end up realizing that and we're going to touch on more of that later but this trauma that he suffers with the loss of his master it severs his connection with the force so he was a, a padawan who was being trained and you know was quite capable for his age it seemed but it's kind of their way of deep depowering him and like starting you off at, at zero so you just start off with the one power to use force slow which is depicted in the force awakens kylo ren uses that power yeah and it becomes such a cool like power in terms of combat and like certain puzzles and stuff like that throughout the game and it's nice that it's being actually like used i believe for the first time in any of star wars games so that's kind of really cool yeah, it is cool. There's a like Legends canon stuff. Well, I guess Legends isn't canon anymore, but there's stories of Luke having that power in um, some Legends stories, which is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, this is like 
the first time I think we're seeing it used in a game. And it's a great force ability for a video game. I thought this was probably one of the most useful powers you have. Um, you know, force push is probably the most effective in, like, you know, taking out a group of enemies. And force pull was pretty sick when you would just pull dudes in and you can stab them with their lightsaber or throw them, throw them around. Like, you definitely feel like Cal's, like, getting pretty strong over his journey. And yeah, his, I, and his hmm. Jedi flip is like so much like Luke's and Empire Strikes Back. I love it. Oh, I know that's such a. I once you got that double, uh, double jump. I was like, oh, I'm just doing this all the time, like just for fun. And then once you get like the double lightsaber later in the game, like I would always just go pew, 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 like just back and forth the whole time. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Deflecting's fun. So Cal joins the scrapping crew, and he's living and hiding for years, but he blows his cover when he uses the Force to save his friend Prof from a deadly fall. Uh, this is how Cal gets compromised. There's several probe droids around this scene, so that's we can kind of assume they saw him and uh, reported a Force user. And, uh, you know, Kev, why don't you tell us a little bit about Prof? Well, Prof, who you only get to spend about like 30 to 45 minutes with, you become very attached with. Respawn did a great job of fleshing out this character really soon. He's a jovial and talkative native of the planet Abenito. Um, he used to be a starship engineer, but is now making ends meet working on Braca in the Scrapper Guild. Well, he is making use of his engineering know-how and impossible physical size. Like, he's a big dude, um, and he's super strong, and Prof operates unwieldy heavy-duty cutters and welders in his work dismantling derelict starships. Um, and to Cal, this is essentially his only friend. This is the only family that he has. Um, and I feel as though, and I think you would agree too, he's kind of like the bigger brother to Cal, right, Ty? Yeah, they definitely feel like they have a connection. And Prof even has this line where he's like, you know, we've been through a lot together and I've never seen you do something like that, like re referring to him using the force. So he feels a lot of appreciation towards Cal, too. He's like, thank you for, you know, sticking your neck out for me. Like, obviously, Prof knows it's dangerous for Jedis in this era. You know, he even has a line. He's like, oh, poor Jedi. Not all of them could have been evil when they see the... Uh, the Jedi Starfighter from Episode Three, um, before the fall. So, yeah, you, like you do feel attached to him, and then unfortunately, because Cal used the Force, this causes him to be hunted by the Inquisitors. So they show up on Braca, and yeah, poor Prof. He said it. They're all expendable to the Empire and the Second Sister. You know said the same thing and then stabs him yeah this is the first time we get introduced to the inquisitors in this game which are um not the first time we're running into the inquisitors they are uh i believe originated from star wars rebels but they all have names like fifth brother second sister knives so they're all like um essentially these former jedis who uh are trained by darth vader um but they're trained in the dark side but not as sith there's 10 different Inquisitors in various Star Wars media. Um, the number next to their name implies a ranking of hierarchy within the Inquisitors, and they are led by the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, do you want to tell us more about the second and ninth sister, the first two we meet here? Or I guess the only two we meet in the game. Yeah, of course. Um, I'll start with the second sister who gave me major Kylo Ren vibes. I don't know if he, if she did to you, Ty. But, uh, oh, yeah, I got that with her helmet, definitely. 
Yeah, not only the helmet, but just the whole emo, dark hair, the whole thing. We'll get to that later. But <laughs> she is very ambitious and cruel. She is one of the deadliest members of the Imperial Inquisition. Um, she relishes in hunting down both force-sensitive and political descendants, uh, dissidents, sorry, for the Empire. Although she is an expert in lightsaber duelists and adept with dark side of the force, the second sister's greatest weapon is her brilliant ability to deduce and predict the behavior of her prey. So she's on one. She is very well in tune with the force and uh, predicting what you're going to do next. The ninth sister is this ugly, hulking Doatin who is trained by the Jedi. The ninth sister is an imposing and dangerous Inquisitor. Her mastery of the force is further enhanced by an extraordinary empathetic ability to read minds while less agile than other inquisitors during combat she utilizes her massive size brute strength and jedi training to gain any advantage over over her opponents so for the ninth sister you're kind of getting essentially like um shrek and (laughs) so just imagine (laughs) shrek with a lightsaber you're good that is apt. Yes, very, very correct, sir. Thank you. And you actually, and you actually fight her later in a swamp. So I don't know what to tell you. It's oh Shrek. gosh, yeah, yeah, good point. Well, yeah, those are our Inquisitors, um, and they're they're some great boss fights. So we kind of get a little tease for boss fights here. I guess it's like the boss fight tutorial. So we do face off against the second sister very briefly before escaping Braca. You know, you can just straight up lose to her here. You can just let her hit you, and it'll trigger the cutscene. So you don't really have to do much to get past this part. But uh, you know, the lights, the lightsaber combat is awesome, and this is a great introduction to it. Like all the lightsaber fights are so much fun. Oh my god! Just the opening train sequence. So essentially, the ninth sister, the Shrek, grabs you and throws you off a cliff, and probably could have stabbed you but instead there's you and you you know because you're the protagonist you can't die you go on this <laughs> crazy train sequence where you finally get to mess up some stormtroopers and the first time you deflect of oh tyler do you remember the first time you deflected uh what's it called a one of the uh stormtroopers fire and shot it back at them how satisfying was that yeah, that sound effect's great. It's um, some great positive feedback loop. <laughs> I love I love it. And when you unlock the double lightsaber and you can just continually knock them back, very satisfying. Yeah, the whole time going down that train sequence, you're climbing around it, you're running, you're sliding, you're fighting um, all these stormtroopers with their like little plasma maces. You're finally figuring out there's a whole sequence where a freaking... Uh, starfighter shooting down at you and you got to like go side to side like trying to dodge its fire and stand behind cover it's a great epic very uncharted sequence and i was all the opening level just really sets the tone for the adventure you're going to have for the rest of the game and i absolutely loved it and once you get the end of the train you end up going up against the second sister like you were saying which is you'll go up against her four times in the game so um this is the first time and yes like you said you can just essentially just get your ass handed to you and just get on with the sh- get on with the game yeah because cal is always getting his ass saved in this game <laughs> he you know he has it in for him going up against a second sister at this point but luckily we have sir junda and Grease dritus on the mantis you know here to save the day you know i thought it was funny when they first like 
they, they fly in next to the train when you're on it. And then they open the door and they're like, we're here to help. It's like, there's no way you guys would be able to hear each other <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> like, there's no that, communication when somebody's on a mu- moving train and somebody's flying in a spaceship. But <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. But they're there to save the day. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love this introduction of Seer and um, Grease. I just love that second sister, like, jumps on the front of it. And he's like, get over here. And just like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was badass. Like, she uses the force. She's trying to pull the ship away, like, down with her. And then, yeah, that, that whole uh, cutscene is pretty badass. And, and Cal's, like, on the ship, and he's got his lightsaber ignited. And Grease is like, all right, kid, turn that off and grab some seat. It's a great line. Yeah, I was – Grease is like, uh, whatever, kid, get back there, which, you know, Grease starts off as kind of this, like, cold – um, just kind of like smuggler who doesn't care about anything besides getting paid or uh, only cares about himself. And he slowly unravels throughout the games uh, as it goes forward. Yeah, he definitely sh- like shows a lot of heart in some moments. I love him. Uh, I love his character. He's basically here for comic relief, but, you know, he's great at, for, at, for what he does. Yeah, and he's just a little cute little cat. He just got like whiskers on him. I'm a fan of Grease, even though he's, yeah. you know, a cold bastard <laughs> and he's got a horrible gambling problem i mean who doesn't but um <laughs> but uh, yeah. all right so um before we leave Braca, because we can't come back here this is the tutorial planet and um like the other planets we're going to be visiting we can't come back here but there are some cool lore things i want to talk about um the ibdis maw did you notice that there was a big monster you know on this planet that looked like a sarlacc pit yeah, I just thought it was just a very big Snarlack, but I think there's it's like a relative of it, isn't it, Ty? Well, it's it's a super organism that superficially resembles Tatooine Sarlaccs, but it's much bigger. Um, it has a, a, a few mouths, apparently, all connected into this vast digestive system that resides like hundreds of meters below Braca's surface. Um, like, and the mouths of it are like, getting bigger because they're just feeding off a of starship material it's pretty crazy that's that's like a what wor- go ahead no i said it's like a world eater that's so cool do you think boba fett survived this one no i don't think you-, you could you probably couldn't get through this one oh <laughs> uh, well but this is like what we saved prof from falling into is this ibdis maw Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was such a cool scene. It gave me like uh, Luke like reaching out for his lightsaber in Empire Strikes Back when he's reaching out to pull it to himself for the first time. I was like, oh, he's he's uh, gonna yeah. do it. He's gonna yeah. do it. Yeah, he saves Prof, but only once. Poor guy. Yeah, but but I know I I just want, I don't want to. I know this is probably the last time we'll talk about Prof, so I don't want his death to go in vain. Um, I did love that he gave that whole speech. He went out defending his little brother. Um, and again, Respawn, great job of doing character building within the first 30 minutes. Like, I didn't think I'd get attached to a character that fast, but God, you, you, gosh darn you, you did. So, yeah, they really did uh, it. I, I just, uh, you know, shout out to Prof. I pour one out for you. All right. So, that's, that's it for Braca for the most part. And uh, now we're on to Bagano with our new friends uh, to rebuild the Jedi Order. And you know, speaking of our new friends, uh, you want to you want to tell us a little about Seer and Grease, Kev? Yeah, we'll start off with Seer. So Seer is among the scattered Jedi who survived Order sixty six, the purge that but 
all wiped out the Jedi Order. Seer Junda has been living in seclusion for years. After saving Cal from the Imperial Inquisitor, Seer began to mentor the former Padawan. Uh, but along with Grease Dredus, the captain of the Stinger Mantis, which you can customize and give it, you know, some cool different skins. Uh, Seer is on a secret mission of her own to rebuild the Jedi Order. Now, Grease, on the other hand, our little cat-looking alien friend, he is the captain of the Stinger Mantis and is a four-armed lateral Grease's Dridus. He is a adept pilot who works for Seer Junda, known for his gruff nature and crumudgeonly demeanor. Seer is the only person in the galaxy who Grease, Grease appears to hold in high esteem. So they are attached at the hip. They are very kind of a weird duo, would you say? Yeah, it's funny. Um, when you first meet them seer is like oh this is my captain and he's like yeah this is my ship but you better listen to this lady right here so they got a they got a fun dynamic um yeah i really love the banter between them and my favorite character in this game is seer because i feel like um i i love cow don't get me wrong but i feel in terms of character development in terms of backstory dealing with trauma seer obviously i feel as though has gone through probably the most out of anyone and has to deal with so many different feelings emotions dealing with the force who's essentially um has just uh cut themselves off from the force yeah, she, she's got a very interesting arc, um, a very Star Wars-themed arc, too, I'd say. You know, like, the, the twist we get that we're going to touch on a little bit later, you know, that felt very at home and very Star Wars to me. And, you know, yeah, the story's great. It's so good. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the ship? Because it's got some interesting uh, info on it, the Stinger Mantis. Yeah, the Stinger Mantis is Mantis. Sorry, the Lateral Spaceworks S161 Stinger XL is a luxury yacht built for wealthy executives and oligarchs who want a fast ship that draws stairs and rapt attention wherever it goes, incorporating the latest in performance technology while maintaining the elegant visual aesthetic of the Republic ships from days gone by. Um, the Stinger class starship stands apart from the utilitarian design favored by the Empire. In the time after Order 66, Grease Dritus served as captain of one such ship, dubbed the Stinger Mantis, because he likes the image it provokes, despite the fact that no breed of mantis across the known galaxy has anything resembling a stinger. I love this ship. I, you know, wasn't that much a fan of the poncho personally, Tyler. I mean, there were some pretty cool ones that I would mix up here and there, but I loved getting new colors for this ship. I thought it was a great design, very badass. I love taking off in this thing, going in the light speed with it, going from planet to planet, and you spend a lot of time on there customizing your lightsaber, finding plants. You pick up a banjo at one point. It's a great time to be had. Yeah, I do like that whole sequence of going into hyperspace, and then um, the banter you get between the crewmates is always great. Um, all the um, the paint jobs you get for it are most of them are callbacks or you know references to other ships, color schemes in the Star Wars universe. Like I believe there's a one called the Smuggler, and it's you know the Millennium Falcon paint job basically, or uh, there's like a Bounty Hunter one. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great Easter eggs within the, the collectibles. Yeah, and that goes for the ponchos too. There's one that looks just like Leia's when she's on Endor and stuff like that. I love these little like uh, touches that they do and little throwbacks um, or paying homage to 
uh, the other films and different media. So that's really, really cool. And I love, I think I just kept the Boba Fett one for the whole game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really wear the poncho a lot. Once I got the outlaw outfit, which is like the dark, the dark outfit, I was like, yeah, I'm like Luke right now in Return of the Jedi. I'm, I'm dealing with some shit. And that's basically yeah. the outfit I rocked <laughs> for the rest of the game. Yeah. Yeah, once I got the X Fighter outfit, I just stuck like the orange jumpsuit. I just stuck with that. Oh uh, yeah, that one's really good. I was like, "Yep, I am just piloting um, an X Wing now." Yep, that's me. Yeah, so we're on our way to Bagano, uh, the fractured planes. Um, I love the design of this planet. Um, the the vault out in the distance looks beautiful. Uh, it's got some interesting little creatures. Um, the 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 boglings, the hopping around things you see when you first land there. They look like, I don't know, some kind of corgi, like jackrabbit mix hybrid thing. They're really cute looking. Do you know, do you they, know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh my God, yes. They're like little corgi foxes running around. I love them. They're so cute. <laughs> Did you uh, find the one and get it to come back on your ship? What? Oh, you yeah. Can, you can get one as a pet? Yeah. Um, if you go to Bagano with force push, you can like force push this like piece of this door open basically and there's one hiding behind it and you're like hey little buddy if you need a home you can come back to the ship and uh, it it doesn't really do all that much it's like it's kind of funny you just see it hopping away towards your ship and you'll see it in like the air vents or under the hollow map table um but Grease doesn't know it's on there, and he'll have a couple lines. He's like, did you guys hear anything rustling around in the vents? And it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get one that's as a amazing. little pet. <laughs> oh, that's so cute, and I love that Grease has no idea. That's so Grease. Wow. That's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, Bagano's cool. It's the first time we're actually, like, really seeing grass and actual just, like, you know, all the – different traversal like the other game was the opening level is more uh obviously linear because it's a tutorial opening planet but this one you can like walk around and check stuff out you go down paths there's dead ends it's cool and you get to actually like explore for the first time not as much as say like obviously Kashyyyk or the other planets you go to but it was nice like oh okay it has kind of like a god of war open feel to it oh yeah and you definitely want to come back here when you have all the force powers because there's so much cool interesting things to find and we also meet one of the most important parts of the game here. We meet little BD-1, the best droid character, I think, in all of Star Wars, except R2-D2 and C-3PO, honestly. BB-8 hasn't done shit in two movies. Like, he's not interesting to me, but BD-1, he's, he's awesome. Um, he's a great companion in the game, too. He offers um, a, a, a dynamic with Cal, so you're not just wandering around alone all the time. Like, you can talk to him. If you press down on the D-pad, they'll, like, just be like, hey, what's up, BD? And, you know, he offers you, he he supplies you the healing. His map is probably the most useful map. And a lot of third-person games, it, like, clearly tells you where you can and can't go and marks things that are now accessible. So, you know, if Metroid games get get some shit for not, you know, clearly telling you where to go, this game doesn't have that problem because of this map, you know? Yeah, it's so cool. Sometimes I would not even I would pop out the map just because I would be like, "Oh, this is so cool." You know what I mean? I wouldn't even do it just to look where I'm going. I just loved uh BD1 on your shoulder hanging out with you. I mean, he doesn't get on your shoulder immediately. You kind of follow him around for the opening of Bugano. Um, but yeah, he is so a little adorable. He's like a little ATT or ATST. Um or 
I guess it would be AT, right? ATT? Uh, the no. Walker Rod. ATST is the the bipedal one. The one with okay. two legs. Yeah, sorry. I just had like an aneurysm in my brain. Um, but Tyler, gun to your head, him or Baby Yoda? Oh, Baby Yoda. Yeah, God. Baby Yoda is too precious. Uh, it's a hard him. choice, but like Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, true. That's that's tough. But anyway. We can rebuild BD. I don't know if there's another Baby Yoda out there. Oh, that's <laughs> that's fair enough. Um yeah, I love BD-1. He's just your little buddy, and I totally agree with you. In terms of all the droids, he's up there for me with, like, even though R2 has been with us through so much, through all those films and media, I definitely put him up there with him. <clears throat> Again, like, Respawn really knows how to get, like, these characters down. Because um, uh, I'm having a a moment I, I forget what the your companion in titanfall 2 is called bt i think it's bt right it's like pretty similar actually yeah i think it is bt wow that's funny but uh they're they're great at uh you know robot companions you know and uh you, bd oh go ahead i was gonna say making you have feelings for robots they're really they really pull your heartstrings yeah and uh, BD offers a lot for the game. He gets his own upgrades and abilities that help you explore more of the map on top of, like, the force powers you unlock throughout the game. So, um, you know, it's a nice variety in the kind of stuff you can do. And the one interesting upgrade he gets pretty early on is that Scomp link on Zepho, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um that's been in Star Wars lore since the OT. This is like what R2-D2 is using to plug into everything um, in all the movies is a scomp link. Uh, so I thought that was just a neat little trivia bit. Yeah, something that's never been actually like said in the movies or media, but is an actual thing within like books or stuff like that that's referenced to. It's, it's a nice touch, and I appreciate that. Yeah, again, these guys like know Star Wars and they're definitely fans. Like these are the kind of references fans would love and put in a Star Wars game. <laughs> yeah, like for us nerds, we're like, yes, yes, keep feeding us, keep feeding the beast. Um anyway, so we're here on Bagano to seek out Eno Cordova, who is Sears uh her former master, you know. We travel to this vault on the planet um, we think we're actually looking for him, but we end up just finding, you know, the the hologram BD plays when we reach the vault. And basically, this game is following in Eno's Eno Cordova's path. The vault holds a holocron that contains a list of four sensitives, and only by following this path that Eno went on and learning how the Zepho viewed the Force can we'd be entrusted with the holocron. He was pretty fed up with how the Jedi Council were doing things with like this endless barrage of war, always being involved. Um, he travels to Bogano and meditates and learns about the Zepho, this ancient culture, which is an original aspect that Respawn put, like it's Respawn added this mythology to the Star Wars universe, and I think they did a great job with it. Like as a like the Zepho are these ancient force users, but you know, you know, he was renowned for his studies of ancient cultures, and he foresaw the downfall of the Jedi, and he was basically doomsday prepping for it. And he goes on this journey. Um, BD One was his droid companion, and he 
you know, in this, it's kind of crazy. He like wipes BD1's memory. He encrypts these logs in him that we're going to, you know, discover and get shown throughout the course of the game. And it's like all on chance. He's like, BD1, I trust you to find the right person to, you know, give this information to it. Like he's basically given BD1, you know, free reign to make a judgment call. And then here we go. We're Cal Kestis, the chosen one, I guess. Yeah, I guess we're just the the lucky one who's up next to bat. Uh, <laughs> we just happen to just fall into this. Always the gingers, you know, always us getting the short end of the stick. Uh, but yeah, this is essentially our quest set out by uh, Eno Cordova. He's the one who's like, hey, you, you this, is, this is up to you if you want to go t- uh, take care of this. Yeah, well, that's to rebuild the Jedi Order, we have to. He wants us to follow his path and seek out the three Zepho sages. Um, so we travel to the Zepho homeworld in a little bit. But uh, this holocron is a list of young Force sensitives throughout the galaxy, and this is Seer's personal miss- mission too to use this to rebuild the Jedi Order to take down the Empire. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also, I believe, to protect them as well, because they're also probably the Inquisitors are looking for this to go wipe out the Jedi as well. So not only to rebuild and start the new Jedi Order, it's also to be like, oh, we should probably find them before the Inquisitors and Darth Vader do. Yeah, right. That's a good point, too. But yeah, um, this leads <laughs> us to essentially we have to go through these trials to essentially... Uh, earn this information to make sure we are worthy of acquiring this information where the Jedi Padawans and this leads us to Zepho in the tomb of Alram. Yes. Um before we leave Bogano, did you um try to fight Ogdo Bogdo right away? Oh yeah, and I got immediately destroyed. So Ogdo Bogdo was like the weird toad monster thing that's like your like kind of like secret boss in the game where you can go down um and cut down these like pipes and once you go through you're in this little closed like area and you fight Ogdo Bogdo and that was uh not fun not fun at all <laughs> yeah he he's like way too hard to fight when you first reach Bagano um it's kind of funny the only thing you get for beating him is like a force echo xp boost and then that pink poncho which you know I never wore that. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Respawn. That was a very Dark Souls move of them. They make you do this big, epic fight to get nothing in return. Uh, they are learning. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. Ogdo Bogdo, not a good time. Literally, you get hit twice, you're dead. Like, <laughs> that, early, that early in the game, you're just screwed. Yeah, and uh, you need, like, more experience with these guys to get those parries down. But you can, I believe, freeze uh, Ogdo Bogdo's tongue and then cut it, which is kind of sick. Yeah, I saw the uh, trophy for that, and I've tried to do it so many times, but it never works for me. I don't know if it's like just buggy on my system or whatever, but yeah, I've yet to see that happen. Uh, yeah, I literally had to watch someone on YouTube do it for like five minutes to figure out the motion. So don't, don't feel bad, Tyler. I literally oh. had to like figure out how to do it by watching someone do it online. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're fine. You also played on a hard difficulty. You're a bigger man than I am. So let's let's move on. Let's move on to Zepho. Is that a fat joke? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Tyler, please, please. Uh, in, th- in this climate, please. All right, um, Zepho. All right. Um, so yeah, um, you know, 
Eno isn't spelling it all out for us. Uh, you know, he encrypted these messages in BD1, so the only real information he gives us is go to the Zepho homeworld, you'll find, you'll seek, uh, you'll seek peace in the eye of the storm. Um, and there we are, we're back on the Mantis, we're on our way to Zepho, and before we reach Zepho, there's a really cool cutscene with the Obi-Wan Kenobi um, cameo. I, I love that. And uh, did you think it was Ewan McGregor? Oh, totally. But then now that you're saying that, it isn't, isn't it? Oh, no, no. Um, it's uh, the guy who voices him in the Clone Wars series. And I like he does a great job on that show. I've seen a little bit of it. Um, but yeah, I straight up thought it was Ewan McGregor's voice um, during that uh, little little cameo. Well, we do get uh, actual, uh, what's his name, Saul Guerra. So he, you know... Forrest Whitaker, uh, Whitaker actually does his does the actual voice. So I wouldn't have been surprised if they just were like, "Hey, you, Ewan, can you just do this one line for me, please?" You know, you've done it a million times, but I guess not. But I mean, I, that guy does do a great job in the Clone Wars. Yeah, I, I honestly thought it was just like an audio bit from Revenge of the Sith, but I haven't watched it in a while, so I guess I was just remembering things wrong. Mm, that's okay. All right. Anyway, we're on our way to Zepho. Uh, which is uh, an original planet for this game that Respawn made because the Zepho culture is an ancient civilization. It's the name of their homeworld. Kev, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Zepho? Well, Ty, Zepho is a mountainous, water-rich world located in the Outer Rim. Zepho was once home to a small community of archaeologists and pioneers who ventured there from the core worlds, core worlds of the Republic. The peaceful community was disrupted and ultimately destroyed when the Galactic Empire rose to power, starting with the pillaging of the historical sites and sacred tombs, which ended only after excavations failed to turn up anything of immediate military value. This was codenamed Project Augur. Project Augur was a Galactic Empire directive carried out under the will of the Emperor Palpatine. The project involved the occupation of the planet Zepho and imperial mining operations to excavate the many ancient artifacts on the planet. The inhabitants of Zepho were displaced so that the Empire could occupy the world, though Zepho's magnetic winds made the imperial technology malfunction. So essentially, it was a little too windy for the Empire. The Empire is always bumbling and fumbling all over themselves. They were like, ah, whatever. But it did lead to some really cool mine levels in this game, so I was a pretty big fan. Yeah, I guess the Empire was searching for, you know, Force-type artifacts. I wonder if he knew about the Zepho. Um, obviously, they're, they were at the site of the tomb, but they couldn't access it. Um, like, the, the Zepho, the ancient Zepho, must have put in um, certain precautions to only allow, you know, light-side Force users uh, access, is kind of what I got through all this. Um, mm-hmm. The Zepho, um, the Zephonians, the actual ancient culture, um, are pretty interesting. They could wield the Force. Um, they referred to the Force as Life Wind. And if if their, their Force users were known as Sages, and uh, basically were searching out these tombs of the Sages and trying to strengthen our bond with the Force, you know, following the footsteps of Eno Cordova, um, but they're pretty interesting, uh, their culture. I hope we see more of them in a sequel, too. And this is explored a little bit more because um, they suffered a downfall. Um, 
they were displaced from their homeworld, and I think they end up on Dathomir, which ends up corrupting them with the dark side. Uh, so the only um, the only uh, hint that we get that they might still be around is the vision Cal gets from his FO, who speaks that he was leading the remnants of their culture into the great unknown. So they could still be out there, you know. The great ones. Oh, now we're getting back into <laughs> Love Lovecraftian lore. Um, yeah, I love that the Zephos kind of have like this deep uh, ancient um, connection with the Force. They give me kind of like Yoda vibes, even though they're like eight feet tall. Um, <laughs> but they're really cool. I felt as though they weren't like, you know lightsaber wielding jumping around like the prequel type jedi but more just like you were saying these ancient sage wizards that were just like so in tuned in like the natural essence of the force which is again respawn nice one that's really cool lore you guys did a great job yeah it's a very naturalistic view of the force like they don't call it force which that word in and of itself like sounds kind of aggressive you know they call it the life wind Mm. like it's awesome it's a very Walt Whitman way of saying something like that, or Nathaniel Hawthorne of calling something the force. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, that's been your AP literature reference of the pod. Let's move on to what we're doing here with Cal and BD. Yeah. So um, that these words, you know, seek peace and the eye of the storm. That's what Cordova basically gives us um, on Bugano and, There is a huge storm on Zepho that they find this village at the center of. And right away we see the Empire's presence. I think this is like, oh no, never mind. Um, Anyway, uh, they seek out this tomb of Elrond. Elrond? Elrond? That sounds way too much like Lord of the Rings. But inside, (laughs) uh, inside Cal sees a vision of his former master, Jero T'Pol, and this helps him rediscover his ability to push objects with the force um and then bd gives us another recording of eno um who gives us a hint that we might find something in at kashik he he suck out guidance from uh the wookie tarful which is not our first run-in with tarful he is not an original character by respawn uh the first time we run into him is in revenge of the sith with yoda when he's on kashik yeah it's like it would be way too much to have this be Chewbacca. So who they got to use the the second most famous Wookiee, Tarful. <laughs> yeah, they were like, uh, I guess Chewbacca's overplayed. Who's another? Who's another one? We ah Tarful, right? And so I mean, Tarful's kind of badass. He's just kind of like this giant Wookiee general who's just trying to sleeve uh, free his people. So he's kind of kind of a badass. So I'm yeah. I'm glad I'm glad he was included. Yeah, definitely. Um, But, uh, you know, after our excavation in the tomb, um, we fight an ATST for the first time, the All-Terrain Scout Transport, which, awesome set piece, pretty simple boss, but, you know, it was like nice deflection practice. And uh, I like the detail of after destroying it, the pilot crawls out. Yeah, that was a nice touch. I was like, I was like, I started walking back to the ship and I was like, why can't I get into the ship? I started getting shot at. I'm like, oh, you mother. <laughs> I was like so mad, Tyler. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> um, so I was like, but that was a great attention to detail. I really love that. Is there anything else you want to cover on Zepho? Anything? Because uh, we come back. 
Yeah, we do come back, so we can talk more about it later. One thing I do want to touch on is the lightsaber customization, because this is where we really start finding more pieces to kind of put on our hilt and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a few different things we can customize with our lightsaber. The color, obviously, is um, really fun to keep changing. You only start with blue and green, but, you know, at that one point in the story, you get a whole bunch of them, which was a lot of fun. Uh, you can change the emitter, the switch, the sleeve, and the material, and then later on you can simul- you can change both ends of your emitters, which is cool. Uh, but they, they break down these pieces into four categories, and this is exactly what they do at uh, Galaxy's Edge in Disney. If you go and build a lightsaber, it's the same categories, and the pieces look exactly the same. So this was a really cool detail by Respawn. Um, you could tell that they were working with Lucasfilm and Disney to get these things and like really bring it to life. So you can go and make the lightsaber you were walking around this game with at Disney, and I really want to do it. Yeah, they really want to get the merchandising if it's BD-1, if it's the lightsabers. Uh, but same as you, Ty, I had a lot of fun playing and customizing my lightsaber. Uh, did you have a certain color that you use for the majority of the game, or did you keep switching them out? I played through most of the game with green, and then I think when I unlocked the rest of the colors, I kind of would just swap out every once in a while just to test them all out. Um, A nice little detail is that when you change the color, it changes the audio of the ignition to match like what we would see in the films and stuff. So the green lightsaber sounds like Luke's from uh, Return of the Jedi, and the blue lightsabers sound like you know how they usually do when when we see them another really awesome detail yeah i started i was with you i used green for the majority but once i was able to get later in the game all the different colors i was purple baby i was mace windu i (laughs) love the purple lightsaber i think it's the coolest color out of all that's just me i think the purple lightsaber is the coolest one out of all the different colors of a lightsaber, but that's you know I I just was I just saw Mace Windu it was it was just so cool with Samuel L. Jackson I don't know I I have a little crush he's <laughs> just I, I I don't want to get into it but yes I was I was a purple guy yeah purple's cool you know we only see one in canon as far as I'm I know of so why not have Cal choose a purple kyber crystal you know um, a nice little detail um, about the lightsaber colors is when disney you know bought star wars and changed the canon they removed orange from the canon and then this game you can get an orange colored lightsaber as a pre-order bonus and that brings it back to canon which was uh which excited a lot of people yeah the orange is really sick i um didn't get the premium content but i was like watching like walkthrough video like things i've already like had gone through the area and i was like how did this person i was like oh it's premium content but um pretty pretty sick that they brought that back oh definitely um so the the four categories of the pieces are peace and justice power and control elemental nature and protection and defense. I think there's another one, passion and strength. But these are like the four categories you get at Disney. Um, and I watched this whole video of somebody com- comparing the pieces in the game to what you get at the uh, the Galaxy's Edge and Disney. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And they each have like a little description about it. 
Um, did you have a certain style you went for? Um, I just kind of, every time I got something new, I would just play around with it and go back and forth. Um, in terms of like the entire, I think color of mine, I think I was being very bougie and I had the all gold lightsaber. (laughs) (laughs) Gold and purple. (laughs) Yeah. So I was the LA Lakers, uh, for the majority of my playthrough, but yeah, the gold and purple royalty, it was, it was pretty 16, the gold, especially with the double sided lightsaber with the gold and purple. It, it's pretty sick but that yeah that's kind of that was kind of that was kind of my uh aesthetic for the most uh majority of the game nice yeah that's cool i i tried to recreate anakin's as much as i could with like pieces that looked like his um and i i think i went for like a black a dark matte something i forget what it, which uh, material it's called there might be a matte but there's like 20 different colors you can get just for your hilt mm-hmm yeah, I uh, I would definitely I stuck with the color of my lightsaber being purple for the majority, but in terms of all the different pieces, I just kind of like played around and customized it a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was fun, and uh, I hope we would get more customization in in a, in a sequel. You know, I feel like uh, the customization was added kind of you know as an afterthought. It's not as fleshed out as it could, but they definitely went like full force you know, full steam ahead with the lightsaber customization. They got that right for sure. Mm. I I actually have a question for you, Ty. I loved that they were able to give you either the option to do single lightsaber, double lightsaber, and a one time and kind of dual wielding, but not really. Um, would you prefer that you could have made like certain Jedi classes? Like one, like the one lightsaber would be like a strength build. The double is more dex. And then the other one is kind of like a mix of both. Um, or do you like that they incorporated that Cal could just use all three different styles at any time you wanted to? It would have been cool to focus and maybe have some light RPG elements, but I do like the fact that you can use, you know, a single, a double, or the special move and dual wield, but I would have really liked it if I could have, you know, used a single blade, a dual-sided blade, and dual wield, and they each had their own, like, skill tree path, you know? Mm-hmm. That, would have, that would have been great. And, like, more combos, like, you would get with, like, a god of war like the newest god of war was really great with the skill trees of atreus um you know the leviathan axe and the blades of chaos like i wanted more i wanted a more in-depth skill system like that and i think we'll see something if they do another one like expanded on um i, I was kind of disappointed when i couldn't dual wield and you just get the one move that does it but it looks cool like when you unlock that and you th- do a lightsaber throw you still have one in your hand which looks pretty awesome um, but yeah, I, I hope it gets fleshed out more in a sequel. Yeah. I would like to be able to like go in one of the different directions and be like, Oh, like I just want to be like single handed and, or even ch- change up essentially like the fighting styles too. Like Darth Vader uses kind of like the single hand or you use double hand for your, all your attacks and stuff like that, which I guess you have a heavy and light attack. So, uh, you could switch it up there, but like you're saying, more combos like God of War. I'm not looking for like a Spider-Man PS4 combo system, like something that ridiculous where it becomes almost a Force Unleashed, Devil May Cry-esque like combo chains, but definitely a little bit more fleshed out. Like we don't even get a square-square triangle like combo. It's you know you you have your your R1 spam basically, and then a heavy attack, but your heavy attacks use force, so you kind of don't want to spam those you know you're basically just doing a light attack for most of the combat 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the double lightsaber is just perfect for crowd control. So um, I did like the double uh, heavy attack where you do like the flip move after you press triangle twice. Uh, or why why I use that a lot to just wreck people. That was like one of my favorite moves is just triangle, triangle, um, or the quick, uh, what's it called? Move where you held triangle or your heavy attack. And you would just like, uh, fastly, like um, not like teleport, but like, uh, force sprint to them and hit them. That was pretty sweet. Oh yeah. Like the, the lunge attack. Yeah. I will say the sprinting is pretty bad. (laughs) <laughs> sprinting yeah. around uh, cow cannot run that is definitely when we were talking earlier about the clunkiness of this character sometimes where you're expecting something smoother like titanfall 2's movement it is sometimes like uh did this kid ever learn how to run like it's kind of <laughs> weird so yeah yeah all right anyway let's get back to the story um so we're we're on our way to kashik and Sierra actually opens up a bit more about herself. Uh, she tells Cal why she cut herself off from the Force, and this you know very sad story where she uh, led a group of younglings to safety with her Padawan Trilla after the purge started. Uh, so they were hiding out, and the Empire was on their trail. Sierra tries to lead them away, um, and then Trilla stays behind to protect the younglings, but. Seer does get captured, and the the Empire tortures her until she gives up the location of her Padawan and the younglings. Um, she also mentions that they question her about Cordova, uh, so I wonder if that's why the Empire does have a press uh, a presence on Zepho, and that's what Project Augur is is trying to uncover what he knew. Um, but she eventually does escape. In, what, in, in a prison riot, she tells Cal, and she also tells him that her Padawan did not survive. Hmm. Mm, yeah, that they had perished. So we'll be coming back to that. Hint, hint, hint. But <laughs> we do head to the Wookiee planet of Kashyyyk, which, again, is probably one of the most well-known planets. I know, obviously, I had a heavy emphasis in Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, but is constantly, because Chewbacca is one of the main characters of Star Wars, is uh, often referenced. And it's cool being able to come here and play here once again. I do like the the map design of this level. I think a little bit more than Zepho, and definitely a lot more than Dathomir, because for the most part, it breaks out into a more kind of linear path. So it's kind of easy to, or it's not as easy to get lost and end up going in circles when the map is like kind of connecting in all these weird ways. Like I can't get to where I want to go on Zepho ever, ever. And I try to consult the hollow map, but sometimes there's just like too much going on and it can be a little frustrating. But Kashyyyk, I felt like was a pretty good design and it looks great, you know, and it has the best set piece, I think, of the entire game. Oh, wait, which one? When you hijack the AT-AT. Oh, the opening of the level. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is so sick. It's so cinematic. I love it so much. Um, yeah, I did you enjoy the different like uh, shortcuts and stuff like that that led back to like your Jedi meditation points and stuff like that, which I guess we haven't even touched upon that. Like when you die, you go back to the Jedi meditation and that's where you go to 
do all your skill points and your skill tree. And when you die and you rest there, all the enemies come back as well. So probably you should have mentioned that earlier, but yes. Uh, did you <laughs> like all, did you like all the shortcuts back to uh, certain areas where you go get the whole like, Oh, Oh, that's how they did that kind of, you know, moment. Some of them worked out pretty well and I remembered them and I would use them, but most of them are just kind of feel tacked on felt like they were, mapping out a level and they're like "Ooh, this is going on far and this whole space could be a 20 minute trek back and forth if they keep dying we got to throw in a shortcut somewhere and a meditation point yeah the the map design could have used a bit more work too in my opinion but uh for the most part it was serviceable for the game yeah i felt sometimes it was forced but other times it's like oh nice one guys and i and you'd be like oh i know exactly where i am so i think it was a little bit a bit of both it wasn't as well designed to say like bloodborne or uh some of the other Soulsborne games who kind of like uh build the map on top of each other in like the metroidvania shortcutty kind of way but you know what i enjoy these type of games so anytime i got like a shortcut or something like that where it'd make it easier to uh traverse i was pretty pretty jazzed about it so you know i still feel like this game probably could have used some time in the oven just a little bit. I think they were trying to push it out to coincide with the release of Episode 9 because Episode 8 was such a failure. But I guess that's just like my little tinfoil conspiracy theory about the game. Oh, I definitely agree, especially with all the bugs and stuff like that. I definitely think they were trying to get this out with the hype of Rise of the Skywalker. So um, it felt like how they did that with Star Wars Battlefront 1 where they were trying to get that out with The Force Awakens. And it was like, there's only like 10... like there's not that many maps there's no campaign what the hell you yeah know what i mean so I they're just trying with four maps that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah i was that's why when i was about to say 10 maps i'm like oh no they did not launch with that many maps <laughs> um but they definitely like to ea's credit they definitely come out with tons of dlc and i guess we're bringing this up at the end but do you think this game could have dlc yeah i mean it'd be interesting like if we got a couple new planets and a little side story maybe Mm-hmm. No, it'd be, I'd be, I'd be down to play as Trilla, through a little bit of it, like she's an interesting character, or play as Seer, you know. I could see them doing a little prequel to this, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. No, I think that'd be really interesting. But we'll probably talk about that at the end. Where where do we think we, they they're going to take this next? But, yeah. um, so we head to Kashik. We're in Kashik, and the, there's a, a huge um or there's a resistance presence here. And, you know, we, we talked about this, you know, that the level opens up with us climbing up an AT-AT, which uh, was the best use of the climbing mechanic, I think. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Oh, definitely. When we're, when, when, we're in the, when we're in this hijacked AT-AT, we see Saul Guerrera just like, you know, right in, our, right in our view. He just climbs right on board, and he's like right on the head of it, and he's like, what's up? What are you doing? And Cal's like, oh, I just, I'm someone who brought an ATAT to the table. Or he calls it an at at, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I um, love this opening segment where you crash into the water and climb up the vines. And it's so cool. I love uh, the ATAT discovered and all this just uh, green and nature. Um, and you just kind of like get the drop in on these two uh, Imperial soldiers. Um, and then you just like raise hell. And I love Sol I love. Uh, 
I'm probably in the minority as saying that Rogue One was one of my favorite Star Wars movies. A lot of my friends don't like they say it's like okay, but I think I like it more than most people. Um I thought some stuff could have not been needed. That whole interrogation scene in Rogue One with the weird octopus monster was kind of, I didn't need that. But uh, I do like Saul Guerra, and he's also in Star Wars Clone Wars and in Rebels. So he's uh, actually been a pretty big part of the Star Wars story recently. Yeah, and I don't think he's supposed to be, he's definitely not like a good guy. It's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic for the Rebels and the Resistance to have somebody on their side who is kind of more of like an anti-hero because he does some messed up stuff like Cal even has a moment where he sees uh, some of his handiwork like he killed um, a a clone or a stormtrooper and Cal's like well I better not get on his bad side and like he's like he's like uh, morally ambiguous I guess you know yeah it's kind of like what Star Wars has been doing lately, especially with like the last Jedi that there's no, like in the prior Star Wars films, there was the light side and the dark side. Now there's this weird gray. And I think Saul Guerrero is definitely in that gray where he'll do anything it takes to win uh, the battle or win the war where uh, the Jedi would always look to do the right thing and do the light side. Right. Yeah. Uh, So, Saul is here to disrupt Imperial supply lines. Um, the Imperials have a presence on Kashyyyk. Like, obviously, we see the Battle of Kashyyyk in Revenge of the Sith, but they're here, um, you know, just taking Kashyyyk's natural resources. They're enslaving the Wookiees, using them as, you know, just free labor. Um, there's a Rosher sap refinery. So, Roshers are like these big trees. That's what the origin tree is, a big Rosher. Um, and their sap, uh, the Imperials use to make weapons. Um, so w- we meet up with Saw. We explain that we're here looking for Tarful, uh, and Tarful is uh, the chi- one of the chieftains of the Wookiees. Um, so he- nobody really knows where he is. Um, but Saw does mention that there's some, you know, th- there was a group of Wookiees captured. So we are basically trying to free some Wookiees because, you know, Tarful might be there or somebody who knows Tarful might be there. And that's basically what we're doing um, here in our first run through of Kashyyyk. Um, it, we, we get to visit like the Shadowlands um, and the Origin Tree later on. Um, so there's a, a huge dynamic to this world because it's very imperialistic at first with buildings and stuff like that. Um, and then we get more into like the, the, the nature part of it, which is pretty interesting. Um, it's a, a very distinct variety, which the other levels you don't get too much with. I mean, mainly Dathomir is basically feels the same throughout. Zepho is a little different because you get the caves and like the village and stuff, but it's pretty interesting. When we're in Zepho, we get this little backstory of some of the villagers who were being displaced by the stormtroopers. Uh, we, we learn of Mariana, Mariana um, through some force echoes. She was uh, living on the Zepho homeworld, and then the Empire showed up. They actually killed her husband, and we actually meet her here in Kashyyyk. It's interesting. Um, you can go up and interact with her and have a conversation with her, and then Cal is like, oh, you know, I, I heard your story, essentially, um, yeah, it's a cool little detail with the lore. Like we followed her story and she's here now. Um, so she has this grudge against the empire and that's why she's here fighting with Saul. 
Yeah, I love anything that has to do with like resistance or guerrilla warfare, people with a grudge or vendetta. So I really enjoyed that. And this is also the first time I believe that we fight uh, a purge trooper, right? With the batons. Uh, yeah, I do believe so. And those guys are tough. I remember going up again to go down that like hallway for the first time. Um, and Saul's up there in the command room uh, after you defeat him. Um, but I was like, that guy took me about two or three times before I learned all the parry mechanics and stuff like that. And you're going to be one of the tougher enemies you fight throughout the game. They, uh, come in various different types. They have the ones that are like, kind of like the grievous bodyguards with the two double-sided, uh, electro staffs. And then you have ones that have them like cut in half where essentially they have one in each hand. Dual baton uh, ones. Yeah. And then you have, uh, essentially a purge trooper of just a, a giant gun. The commandos, which uh, you see first in the cinematic when you first run into uh, the ninth sister and the second sister in the tutorial level. So, uh, but yeah, those guys are pretty tough. And then, like, probably uh, the toughest enemy you have faced up to this point. And we also fight the security droid for the first time. And it's cool that it's like its own boss the first time you meet it. And then through the rest of the game, it's kind of just like a regular enemy. That's a very Dark Souls things thing to do. Um, and the security droid, I love. It's an awesome design. Uh, K2SO from Rogue One is probably one of the best parts of that movie, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you get double Rogue One uh, nostalgia in here of Saul Guerrero and uh, this droid. So, yeah, and definitely was one of the best parts of Rogue One. Yeah. Um, so this is a good level, um, and we end up freeing the Wookiees and taking the refinery uh, back from the Empire but uh, we, we don't get any more information on Tarful's whereabouts, but we do free uh, a Wookiee, Choisik, Choisk. Um, I, I can't pronounce these. these you're doing Wookiee. great, honey. Honey, you're doing great. <laughs> these Wookiee words are like so hard, like with three S's and three Y's and two K's. <laughs> it looks like uh, it looks like Welsh. I think it's just based on the Welsh writing because it's just uh, a bunch yeah. of W's and Y's. Yeah, and it's just like... And, you know what? I'm going to say it. The Welsh accent and Wookiee language, pretty similar. You can't, under- <laughs> you can't understand a word those people are saying. Um, uh, that's um, good. Anyway, um, so yes, you do uh, run into this Wookiee that essentially tells you that he used to work with Tarful, correct? Or like was a part of Tarful and should be able to find him? The Wookiee Choi w- was in Tarful's uh, unit when they got captured. Um, we also meet Mari Kassan, who is one of uh, Saw Gerrera's partisans. Um, so they're, they are thankful. We kind of help push the Empire back um, at the end sequence here, which is a cool little uh, gauntlet, you know, kind of fight where you, you have to fight a couple waves of enemies. Um, so they're like, you know, we're going to keep an eye out for Tarful and we'll find him for you. So we didn't really do too much progression here. Um, so like after this, we get um, a transmission from the Empire, which is going to send us back to Zepho. Uh, so that's kind of cool that, you know, the, the levels open up and you're backtracking um, to the different planets. Uh, we're basically going to touch on Dathomir when, you know, we kind of have to go there. You can go there much earlier throughout the game, but we'll just talk about it when we get there. Um, so we're back to Zepho. Yeah, so uh, we return to Zepho um, and essentially head into the tomb of Mictral, um, 
but before we do that, uh, while we're making our way there, we end up fighting the second sister for the second time. Ooh, see what I did there? Anyway, um, and essentially this battle, uh, you're a little bit more powerful. Um, you're kind of getting a hang of uh, the game now in terms of parrying and the combat. Um, and it's pretty cool because it's your first like real lightsaber duel where you kind of feel as though you have a chance. Um, but once you get her down to half health, she's about to take you out and she essentially just pushes you uh, across the way. And then BD1 comes and bails you out with a little force field that blocks her way. Uh, but what did you make of the fight? Did you feel a lot better the second time around, Ty? Yeah, this is like way more of an actual fight than the first time we fight her on uh, Braca is because we have to at least get her down to half health and you know she can kill you here and, and you don't trigger the cutscene if you just die at this point um, so yeah it's like pretty fun um, it's uh, not my favorite lightsaber fight in the game because you know it's just over after you get her halfway down um, so again it's kind of just like teaching you her moveset and I think preparing you for uh, the fight later on but yeah you know it's fun um, I hate how the force powers feel kind of useless in some of these moments, but, you know, I think it's something they can kind of fix in a, in a sequel later. Yeah. In terms of reskinning bosses, redoing like one till you finally fight them at the end. Um, I get it. It's very video gamey, but it does get kind of repetitive and I do hope they fix that. Yeah. Um, did you ex- did you come back to Zepho with all the powers and explore the venerator, the crashed, the huge crash star tr- ship on Zepho? Yes, I did. Where you get to go swim in the water a little bit and go across. Yeah, that was really cool. Did you make it into the ship and um, see the clone trooper era uh, soldiers? No, I didn't. Wait, what was this? I don't think I had all the force powers then. Oh, yeah, so you need to come back here with the double jump, which we don't get until our second visit to Kashyyyk. Um, but you can get more into the Republic-era ship that's crashed on Zepho, and it tells, like, this whole story of a Padawan and his master, you know, crash-landing on Zepho in this ship during the Purge, um, and, like, their whole story of survival, it mirrors Cal's journey very, very well. Um, and you, you eventually make your way to this little burial site. Um, so there's another Padawan out there somewhere who buried their master here. <laughs> and, and it's a cool little side story you get. Um, but you'll see, uh, you know, clone troopers dead scattered throughout here. And they have the prequel era armor. So it's just kind of cool. And you'll see some old uh, prequel era starships, too. Um, so it's just like, you know, a nice little bonus uh, for exploring and stuff. But you, you have to come back here with like all the powers to to see it all. Um, uh, I love but it. It has like some a- cool lore, you know, building lore bits and world building moments. Yeah, I love that. Like its own little self-contained story and you don't get any like real reward besides more story, which I know a lot of people in this game were all searching for. So that's kind of like a nice little treat for those who are seeking, um, you know, bits and pieces of more star wars lore so i love that that's awesome yeah yeah i just wanted to talk about that before we leave zepho for the last time um but yeah so we do fight the second sister for the second time and then you know we get a big reveal too after this fight so bd1 saves our life with that red screen you're my boy bd 
coming in coming in hot every time to save our life. The second sister takes off her mask, revealing that she is Trilla, Sears former Padawan. Um, and this is such an endearing villain. I love this character. They did mm-hmm. a, such a great job with her. Yeah, so not confirmed, not dead. Uh, so we've just found out that Seer has lied to us. Um, and Trilla warns us that Seer's going to betray us too. And we're kind of like, yeah, whatever, I don't care, and just keep walking off. But uh, this obviously caused major drama once you get back to the ship after this whole mission. From this point on, um, Trilla is kind of getting inside Cal's head, teasing him a little bit. She ends up luring him to the sarcophagus in the, the tomb of Mictrul um, in an attempt to kill him. Uh, it drops down, and this is where he relearns his uh, pull, his force pull power. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, she is playing some serious mind games here. Um, and, and it's really sad because she feels, obviously, she feels very portray- betrayed by her master. But, like, the torture um, that she went through, like, she she is just a victim pretty much in all of this. Um, so, and that's just what makes her such a compelling villain to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really love that. This character has some deep trauma and was a former Jedi Padawan, just not like some random dark force, like Sith kind of character, like has, uh, definitely some more content than like your average, like star Wars story. Um, and, did you enjoy, I, I I have one thing to pick on with this whole level. You get to go down into like the ice mine stuff and do all the sliding stuff. Tie in this level, um, I'm not a fan of the sliding part of this level, where you go down and there's one where you gotta like slide up and like force push the wall and keep going. I died like 20 times just on this, more times than I did fighting any enemy. And yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm going to be completely honest. I really hope they get rid of this in the next game. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, it feels super gimmicky and not, it's very jarring, the movements and you have like very touchy. To, yeah, it's very touchy. Like I feel like I have no control of Cal when he's fucking sliding down these hills. Um, you know, it feels very tacked on. It, it makes reading the map difficult. Cause I'm like, am I supposed to go down this slide? Like it's not that fun to go down them. You know, so it's something I, I could uh, I could live without for sure. Yeah, not not a fan, but let's continue on with the story. I just had to get that little gripe out of the way because I remember my roommate was just laughing his ass off while I was I was like, like, dude, I'm really trying here. It's it's just so touchy <laughs> and you would lose so much speed and momentum. If you lose any speed, you'd instantly die. You wouldn't be able to make the gap. Yeah, not yeah, fun. Not not it's, fun. It's ridiculous. Um so anyway, when we're making our way back to the Mantis after exploring the tomb, uh, we get to fight our first bounty hunter. Um, and for me, it was a bounty hunter called Null Chance. And I guess this mechanic is kind of similar to the Nemesis system in uh, Shadow of uh, Mordor or like, you know, the, the Middle Earth games. Um because you'll fight this this bounty hunter again, but this is a scripted fight, so no matter how well you're doing, you're going to lose and get captured, and then, uh, you know, we get to play a, a jail level. I love prison levels in games, honestly, and then we get to fight in, like, this gauntlet, which was a lot of fun. Um, You know what it reminded me of, Tyler? Did you ever play Ratchet & Clank Deadlocked? <laughs> no. That was um essentially... 
notoriously known as the worst Ratchet and Clank, but it's essentially where Ratchet had to fight in this like gladiator uh, combat like uh, arenas for the entire game, or essentially his head will explode. He's got like a bomb strapped to it or something like that. It gave me like those kind of vibes. But yeah, I do love the inclusion of the, this bounty hunter nemesis system. It's really cool. Do you remember what the bounty hunter's name was? Because I feel like they just have a whole random file of them, like thousands of different names. I ran into some really funny named bounty hunters. Um, honestly, I probably couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I'm sorry, Tyler. Uh-huh. Uh, I, it's um, I just remember being like, "What is happening?" And then you get hit with that like uh, essentially like zap blanket, and you get sent down there, and you have no lightsaber, and BD one saves you. Or you find BD one and get out of there, but I could not, for the life of you, tell you the name of the person. It's very Star Warsy. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I love uh, the the Gauntlet Arena fight that we get when Cal catches his lightsaber. It's super badass, and I died a couple times during this, so I got to see that a few times. Um, but yeah, we are we are captured by this bounty hunter who was sent by the Haxian Brood which is another piece of the mythology that's original to Respawn. It's like this crime syndicate out in what's called the Ordo Eris. So it's like an asteroid stronghold um, for this crime syndicate uh, located in the fringe of the Outer Rim. Um, so the the person that kind of orchestrates all this, his name's Sork, Sork Tormo. Um, and we're here basically because Grease... Basically, you know, gambled a lot, and I guess pissed these guys off. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of funny. Um, Classic Grease again. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, it, it's just like we're trying to get back to the Mantis. We get captured, and Cal has just got so much shit to deal with. Like on top of the Triller reveal, now he, now Grease just kind of fucked him over. So he's like, he's like, like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> he's got a lot to process. Um, mm. But the 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 Fight Club portion of this this level is a lot of fun i kind of wish that they made a challenge challenge tower mode and that was like a side mode you could do just like see how far you can get in these increasingly more difficult matches against these different variety of bosses like i think that would have been really cool if they added that on like that, that i felt like that was a big thing in single player games back in the day you'd get like the arena you know just like something you can just hop into to enjoy the combat and stuff like that um so i hope we get another we get more of this in a sequel i like these kind of things yeah i remember the lord of the rings games based on the movies like they would have you have to climb the tower of isengard mm-hmm. and like each each one would get harder and harder and harder as you went up and god of uh, war did it really well too the the original trilogy trilogy had features like that yeah i really miss those just so you can like blow off steam or practice or just see how far and how much you could take that would be that'd be something else that'd be really cool if they added for the sequel so that'd be awesome yes it would so after we, we get picked up by the mantis which is pretty cool they just drop in to pick us up after uh we kill the bounty hunter that uh that brought us here um and we're back to kashik um they're all kind of processing this information and these reveals um, and then they get a another message from, or they get a message from what's her name Mary and um, and Choisk that they they know uh, where Tarful might be. So we get to revisit Kashik, and uh, we're gonna get our Jedi flip power here. Um, 
But uh, just a, a little bit on the lore of Kashyyyk. Uh, this, we get to explore the Shadowlands here, which I thought was really fun. Um, the more nature, naturalistic part of this level. Uh, do you remember the flowers that would like chase you around when you were crawling around certain areas? Oh, yeah. They were... Uh... Essentially, I never had the jump while climbing, but definitely had to uh, during this part, which was like uh, really kind of like not horror, but kind of creepy. I'm like, get away from me. Don't touch me. Um, didn't, didn't it remind you of the, the flowers that would do that in the Jumanji movie? Like, oh, my I felt God. that right away. Yes. I was like, Jumanji. <laughs> Oh my God, say it three times. Jumanji, Jumanji, <laughs> Jumanji. Anyway, um, yes, that's actually spot on. I love that. And I love that movie. Uh, the new ones are good too. Yeah, not to get too off topic, but <laughs> I do love uh, the new one was really good. Um, yeah, I, d- I saw that too. I did love, I- I'm a big fan of Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jack Black and Kevin Hart. So it's a nice one, guys. And now they got Danny DeVito and all sorts of craziness going on in the sequel. So thank you, Jumanji, for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was cool to go actually explore the actual, you weren't in like the weird mining, uh, like Wookiee slave area. You were actually in like the, like you were in the heart of the Amazon of Kashyyyk. Yeah. Um, and I think you have the notes on this. Um, it's a little lore bit about some of the wildlife. Like it's probably one of the more annoying enemies of the game, the Y-Shock, which are the spiders. Uh, I found this little bit of information I thought was pretty interesting about this planet. <laughs> Yeah, it's estimated that at least 15% of Kashyyyk's forests are covered in Weeshock webs. Uh, the threat of Weeshocks is so common that Wookiee children are taught to defend themselves against a spider from as young as three years old. And I don't blame you because I hate these things so much. I just hate spiders in general. I think I have that fear of holes. So when I see spiders with like all their eyes like it just freaks me out for yeah. it makes me it makes me uncomfortable and these are some of the uh like most gankiest enemies in the game where you can just get like stunned to death by them and it's so annoying um and you know it makes sense for Kashyyyk but when I see spiders on Darthamir Darth, I can't even say its name Darthamir it's like why are these things here there shouldn't be spiders here yeah I don't know which which spiders are worse, the Kashyyyk or the Dathomir ones? But the Dathomir ones poison you, which is super annoying. But Kashyyyk also has the sligs, the the slugs spelled with three Ys, that like have that corrosive barf that they get all over you. I just hate that. It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I will admit that they did a good job with the enemy variety in this game in terms of the wildlife. Uh, like you have those rams on Zapho. Um, you have the different spiders and different, uh, like the little enemies that jump out of the ground on Zapho, which are kind of cool. Um, and you get but, the alpha versions of the harder um, wildlife. So you get like four mini bosses for each planet that has like that uh, crazy animal. Like on Zepho, you fight the rabid Yotas, which is that big troll looking thing. Um, here on Kashyyyk, you fight an albino uh, Y-Shock spider, Dathomir. You fight the uh, Nidok Alpha, which is like that werewolf thing that always has one more hit. Like, it always swipes you one last time before it dies, which is super frustrating. And then... Mm, you um, think you dodged enough and... No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's one more, um, I think. Oh, there's Agdo Bongo. Oh, yes, <laughs> the- yep. Agdo Bogdo. 
um which you know what screw all these things uh <laughs> um i mean the wildlife was fine uh, i guess it would have been too repetitive to fight stormtroopers for some people i was fine fighting all these different stormtroopers i also like the variety in stormtroopers you had the rocket launcher you had the ones with like the gatling guns you had the regular stormtroopers the ones with the um uh, batons like I thought they did a great job of showing a variety of stormtroopers and they're very funny I love when they're doing all their little quirps and quips while you're fighting them it's like yeah, watch they're... out yeah <laughs> watch out he's go over there like I just love hearing stormtroopers talk I think it's some of the best parts of the game they had really great barks for the stormtroopers um, the only thing I didn't like about fighting the animals is that I felt like I really didn't have that many options and how I took them down. I enjoyed fighting the stormtroopers the most because I could push them off a, a cliff. I could just take out one that's annoying me and insta-kill it with a force pull, or I could just slow down the group of them or pull them all into me and unleash like a, a sweeping heavy attack with a double-bladed lightsaber. Like I had all these different strategies I would Im implement to take out the Empire soldiers, but with the, you know, with the wildlife, I would just spam force slow, try to get a hit or two back off and, you know, rinse and repeat. Got very repetitive. Um, I mean, it, the animations were cool because these are the only things you get to, like, decapitate and, like, cut up with your lightsaber. Um, but fighting them, eh, could have been in implemented better, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think they could have done a lot more in that aspect. But again, I think for a first uh, run at it, great job yeah you know all the nitpicks i have it's just like i want them to hear this and then just make a like an, an amazing sequel you know i'm gonna buy that like no matter what mm -hmm. yeah i see what you've done here and i will raise you one sir yeah. yes absolutely <laughs> yeah. um but yeah so we are back on kashik and we are going to go get tarful baby yeah uh so the shadowlands is where we're exploring um it's cool that the Wookiees, you know, are very naturalistic kind of people. I guess you could see them as, like, primitive, but, you know, the Wookiees are awesome. Chewie, Chewie's a household name for a reason. Um, but uh, they have a deep appreciation for nature. Um, the origin tree is basically, like, the freaking tree from Avatar, you know, the life tree or whatever. Um, you know, the Wookiees' rite of passage is to climb the origin tree, which is something we get to do, which I had a lot of fun with. Uh, that's another great set piece here on Kashyyyk with the Shio bird, which I think you have the notes on, Kevin. Yes. So we meet this massive Shio bird, which are rarely seen. Uh, they are once thought to be creatures of legend. The Shio's body shape and feathers enable it to glide across long distance without expending much energy. Since the Shio can serve energy so well, it rarely leaves its nests. Experts say a typical adult may hunt once per week. The diet of sligs and wishoks led it uh, led to its depiction as a predator of both the Wookiees and frothy force. Uh, catching a glimpse of the Shio is a rare blessing that guarantees the peace for the viewer. And I like how it kind of seems like you're going to have to fight this thing, but you don't. It helps you and you save it. And I love that. Yeah. Were you getting like massive like avatar vibes the entire time climbing the giant <laughs> origin tree um, and the giant like bird like uh, companions that you get to fly on? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very, very avatar-esque, <laughs> but it's okay. Disney owns that now, too. <laughs> yeah, they got all that. Apparently, there's going to be five sequels. Why? But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah so, that go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, yeah, the whole climbing of the origin tree, doing this, you do some more sliding stuff once you're getting chased by the ninth sister who pops up eventually, but the climb was really cool, and then you finally get your uh, first time you get the double lightsaber. Or you get the uh, Jedi flip here. Oh, yeah, that too. Is this where you got the double-sided lightsaber? This is where I got it, yeah. On Kashyyyk, really? Yeah, when you got to the top, uh, right before you fight the ninth sister, this is where I got... uh, the double-sided uh, lightsaber. Yeah, where'd you get yours? I got it on Bogano. Oh. And yeah. people have also said you can get it on Dathomir, too. Yeah, I... All right, I'm going to say it. I kind of cheated and looked up how to get it because I saw previews of it. Um, and I saw that you can get it right as you start Dathomir. But this is I didn't get it until I got to Kashyyyk. Um, ah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and then I remember when I was fighting the Ninth Sister, I didn't realize that the double-sided does less damage than the single. So when I did fight the Ninth Sister, I just used the single because I wanted to... I was more of... I was going for the strength build instead of dex. I was like, I just want this thing to... I I just wanted the Ninth Sister to die. I did not care. I was just... uh, I was getting a little frustrated. But when I did beat the Ninth Sister, I didn't even use any of my uh, BD health packs. So, yeah. Oh, really? Wow. She, She was a fun fight. Um... I just hate that charge she has, but uh, the the finishing her off and Cal's line it's very satisfying. Um, she she uh, she's like you'll never stop the Empire, and Cal's like no, but I can stop you. Does a flip over her, like cuts up her back, and then force pushes her off the top of the origin tree. It's super badass. Yeah, you cut off her arm as well, which is like classic Star Wars cutting oh, yeah. off hands. Yeah. Cutting off hands, you know, you had to cut at least one off in the game. Um, glad it was Shrek. And <laughs> um, yeah, this was a cool scene where, you know, you're getting shot by the knife sister. The bird helps you out. Um, and yeah, it was um, a pretty awesome boss fight. And it's like the first actual like lightsaber holder you actually defeat in the game. So that was pretty badass. Yeah, it's a full fledged awesome boss fight um, all the way through. Uh, yeah, and I, I did like the ninth sister as a character. Um, we get just a little bit of info on her. She was a former Jedi, so again, she's similar to um, Trilla in that regard that she was turned, you know, tragic backstory and all that. Um, but after defeating her, um, we get another message from Cordova that BD has. Um, you know, Eno was a friend, was friends with Tarful and consulted him when he found the the uh, the Rocher tree markings in the Zepho tomb, the like the first one we go to. That's mm-hmm. why he, he uh, wanted to come to Kashyyyk. Um, but he learns that to access the vault, we need what is called a Zepho Astrium, um, and we are given a clue that we would be able to find one on Dathomir because we do know there is another tomb there of a Zepho sage. Um, and Dathomir is a huge level. I think it's the biggest map in the game. And the worst level. Okay, I'm just kidding. But seriously, <laughs> this is the Blight Town. This is the swamp level of every Soulsborne game. It is. And it's just maybe I'm just uh, complaining because it is very tough. Um, I had a lot of trouble with this map in terms of like knowing where to go the enemies, all the Darth Mauls you fight. Uh, <laughs> the Knight Brothers, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I had trouble with this level for sure. But it is, you know, 
kind of cool that we get to actually go to this place, which has been highly referenced in like the Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels, and um, you know, is Darth Maul's uh, home planet. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, great lore here. Um, so you can come here very early on in the game. It's like uh, Greased even says it after we leave Bogano. He's like. Uh, Zepho or Dathomir kid and it's like well you want to go to Zepho because that's how you, you progress the story really the only thing you'd come to Dathomir for is the double bladed lightsaber at that point but I, I still think the way I got it was the quickest because I went to Zepho got force push and then I got Eno's lightsaber and just added it to mine which was a nice cool little moment because he had dialogue about it um, so it's like I was going on his journey with his lightsaber attached to my master's just a, a neat little bit, um, but uh, there's a lot of story here on Dathomir. So we do come here for the first time, um, or you, you can come here at any time, but the first time you come here, you're going to make your way through. Um, you're you're going to meet the Night Sister Marin, who seems like an opposing force, like she doesn't want you here. And she's a really interesting character. And then we also meet a mysterious wanderer, uh, who gives us, who seems pretty crazy the first time we meet him, and this would be Taryn Malikos. Yeah, who is just a very Dark Souls weird laughing character who's just kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, he's wearing like almost like a Sith Lord, like black robe, and he's like speaking in riddles and kind of being kind of a weirdo, and you're just like, all right, whatever, man. Um, but yeah, uh, do you want me to talk about a little bit about the background of uh, Dathomir? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, give some of that lore, that juicy lore. So, Dathomir, nicknamed the Rancor planet, was a remote neutral planet in the Quelly sector and in the home of the Nice Sisters. The planet, lit red by its central star, had numerous continents that were overrun with vegetation, forests, and swamplands. The dark side of the force has an immensely strong presence on Dathomir, which allowed for the nurturing of many malevolent force wielders native to the planet. The Night Sisters, also known as the Dathomir Witches, made their home in the swamps and wielded magic fueled by Dathomir's own power. Dathomir was also home to the Night Brothers, the Zabreks, who were ruled by the Night Sisters. During the Clone Wars, Dathomir would come under attack multiple times due to the mis- oh, machinations. Okay, I'm going to restart that real quick. Yeah, go ahead. During the Clone Wars, Dathomir would come under attack most times due to the machinations of Mother Talzin and her rival Darth Sidious, leading to the destruction of most of the Night Sisters and settlements on the planet by the Confederacy of Independent Systems after conquering it. Asajj Ventress, a Night Sister trained by Count Dooku, returned to Mother Talzin after her master betrayed her. This drew Dooku's attention to Dathomir, resulting in the slaughter of the Night Sisters. This left Talzin, Ventress, Marin, and Shellish as the only known survivors. Um, I do believe uh, that General Grievous was really one of the big ones behind this as well, right? Yeah, yeah. This is the the lightsaber wielder Marin talks about um, in one of our conversations with her. It's General General Grievous, you know, slaughtered basically all of her family. Mm-hmm. And she just holds this massive grudge against the Jedi because she thought the war was brought on by her, but really it's just Count Dooku. Yep. Um, so we're here on Dathomir. We make our way through the swamps and uh, we meet 
uh, Taryn Malikos, we meet the Night Sister Marin, and she actually starts raising undead Night Sisters to attack in like these kind of zombie-like enemies. Uh, they go down a lot easier than the other enemies, but they can swarm you, and they're actually pretty scary. Um, uh, we find climbing claws here, which is a great upgrade because it makes climbing around like twice as fast. It was like one of my favorite things, just like ease of life or quality of life uh, upgrades we got. And this has one of the most interesting boss fights, uh, a really cool set piece when we fight the Gorgara. Um, Kev, you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, the Gorgara is an apex predator known as the winged daemon of the canyon. Employs trickery and versatility while soaring to dizzying heights and scouring the deepest crags. A thick, armored hide makes her resistant to straight-on attacks, but certain areas may become vulnerable during combat. She is known to latch onto prey with a fierce grip, hoisting them into the air on her powerful wings. Uh, it is very reminiscent for me, anyway, when you fight like the dragon in God of War. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. That gave me uh, that kind of vibes, but yeah, this is a very this is a very cool boss fight. Yeah, um, I like the arena that you start in, and then um, she's it's the the thing has some interesting moves, um, but you can kind of get the hang of it. Um, and it's not that it's not the most difficult, but the the cool thing about it is after you beat on it a little bit, it kind of flees away, and then at some point when you're climbing up um, the mountains, it, it comes back and then the boss fight kind of continues in the set piece when you're flying around on its back and it's crashing into rocks and the health bar is there and you're just seeing it like whittle down. It's a really cool moment in the game. Yeah, very cinematic and I love the diversity in this boss fight compared to like the normal like one-on-one -on -one encounter. So it was a nice little change of pace. Yeah, like a big monster battle. Um, mm. I'm glad we got something like that because I thought we would fight the Binog, which is that big, never-ending story-looking puppy dog uh, thing oh, on yeah. <laughs> Bogano. But uh, that thing is just kind of chilling there. And um, yeah, it's got some interesting lore. There's not a ton of those in the galaxy, and they only breed like every thousand years or something. Um, they live really old. So yeah, that thing's just chilling there. But I'm glad we did get like the big monster boss fight, you know. Yeah, I was, uh, what's it called, um, very happy with this fight and definitely reminded me of the God of War, like, uh, dragon fight where it was just kind of like a big set piece cinematic where in real life you couldn't really take it one on, but you have to be, like, creative to take it down. So kind of cool. Yeah, and you actually get to use, like, your force pull against an animal, which is cool. It's like you're pulling it down and knocking its head around. It was pretty yeah. fun. Mm -hmm. um, so... You know, after that fight, we make our way into the tomb, and then we see a vision of our master, Jero Tapal. And this is where we get to relive the experience of Order 66, basically. And this is one of the best moments in the game. Honestly, it was so cool being there on the ground level of Order 66, learning about like the clone troopers having a chip in their head that forced them to do it, um, seeing your master essentially shot to death like crazy and die in front of your eyes and do his last words for you. Um, it was really cool. Even like dab up a clone trooper in the beginning. It's kind of sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You have this vision you get to talk to the clone troopers like and you're on your way to training it's like la-di-da um 
And then, yeah, Jero, like, feels this, like, disturbance in the Force, and he does that whole Yoda thing or Obi-Wan thing where he's like, ugh. And then he just kills the clone trooper that you were just talking to and being buds with. And he's like, I have no answers for your questions. Go and do this. Like, I love uh, this character, Jero T'Pol. Um, You know, we don't see a lot of him, but he's very effective when he's there. Um, Respawn, your writing's fantastic. You just absolutely crush it. Did you like all the flashbacks when you become a Padawan and kind of learn uh, your former, learn like those force powers? Did you like that aspect of the game? I did. Um, Because just flushing out Jero a little bit more was cool. Mm -hmm. He had some interesting things to say about the force. He was like, what is in the way becomes the way. And like, you know, I just loved his character. So I thought those were fun. And then it all builds up to, you know, you using all the things he's taught you to escape. You know, he has the sacrifice. Um, you see how the lightsaber gets destroyed because um, Jaro takes a ton of shots from uh, these clone troopers. Um, and uh, we see how Cal gets the scar on his face. He gets shot and this angers him and he's able to force slow all of the clone troopers to buy them a little bit more time and then they get away. But Jaro dies and his final words are trust only in the force. Yeah, which is just chills. Gave me so much chills, Tyler. I was like, oh, Respawn, you've done it again, you bastards. I'm crying over these characters I've only spent a little time with, uh, especially Jaro. Yeah, and uh, and then after the Order 66 segment, we're still in, like, this, I guess, like, kind of phantom zone. And then Jaro appears before us, and he's kind of, like, talking smack. He's like, you are no Jedi. And Kel's like, no! And this is, like, he destroys his master's lightsaber in, like, rage because he, he can't deal with this emotional trauma. Like, he's just been holding scarred. it in for so long, and he's scarred. Um and he just feels so responsible that he didn't save his master. And he, he really opens up to Sierra and Grease uh, about this, about this trauma. Um, and then this is like what sends us to on a, on a little quest to Ilum to build our own lightsaber. Um, but uh, like after this vision, um, we, we haven't reached the tomb yet. Uh, and we run back into Taryn and Marin. Taryn Malikos and Marin, and she summons all the Night Sisters, and we're defenseless, so we're forced to flee uh, the planet. And uh, yeah, this sends us back. This sends us on our way to Ilum. Yeah, Malikos is essentially trying to bring us into the dark side, and uh, also, this is pretty much one of the lowest points for our main protagonist throughout the game. He is at his uh, absolute just, uh, just destroyed. No lightsaber, fleeing. Um, essentially lost at this point. Yeah, and uh, Ilum was a great level. And did you did you pick up that this was possibly Starkiller Base when you saw it? No, I never put that together, really. Yeah, yeah. So fans have had a theory about this since um, The Force Awakens when we first see Starkiller Base. Um, but you can see that Ilum has a huge chunk of it kind of missing. Um, very reminiscent crater oh yeah it's like a belt so canyon yeah and uh like if you go on the wiki they're in the same sector they're the same size you know disney and lucasfilm has haven't outright said it but this is basically confirmation because um we find an imperial presence here ilum was home of a jedi temple this is part of the jedi journey to build your own light lightsaber because it's so rich in kyber crystals which is you know 
the main component of a lightsaber. And uh, the kyber crystals is what the First Order uses to power um, Starkiller base and their super weapon. Wow. So pretty much confirmed it. Thank you, Jedi Fallen Order. Um, that's actually like really, really cool. I hope they come out and actually say it, but I feel like there's enough evidence as, you know, lore hunters as we are to be like, okay, like this, this sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they're definitely the same space. Um, when we're exploring here, we see an empire presence. Um, and I, I do love this whole segment of journeying to get our lightsaber. We have this moment with Seer when they're kind of both, you know, bonding over their, their shared traumas. Um, and Seer gives Cal her lightsaber. So we get to build our own. We find this kyber crystal, um, and it's a pretty touching moment because it, it breaks in Cal's hand, and then he's like, he just feels so defeated, and, you know, it's just sy- symbolism. Like, the thing works fine. He builds his lightsaber just because it broke in half doesn't mean it's useless, you know? Just because Cal's broken doesn't mean he's useless as a person. He can still do great things, and uh, I just thought that was... A nice little bit to to have for his story. Yeah, I love this too, which we didn't mention earlier, the confrontation between Cal and Seer uh, after the big reveal about Trilla. So there's been a lot of tension between these two characters and it finally felt as though they finally come together and they understand each other because they're one and the same suffering from massive PTSD and trauma. So that was really, really nice. Yeah, they, they have both lost so much. And the moment when you finally come back to the mantis with your lightsaber and she she calls you a jedi knight oh man that was awesome that was like the good the good episode of season eight of game of thrones when brienne gets knighted by jamie it was awesome oh th- that was the first thought i had ty i was like where have i seen this oh i <laughs> oh i was just having absolute chills and i'm still hoping that i fall asleep and i get knighted by seer in one of my dreams yeah and that'll just be just Tyler, here's a, a nerd question for you. What'd be the ultimate like uh, nerd knighting for you? Like becoming a knight in like Game of Thrones, Star Wars, becoming a Jedi Knight, um, becoming a one of the Avengers, like Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of other big uh, media where people like ascend in like a group of some sort. Oh, like uh, becoming a wizard, getting your Hogwarts acceptance letter or something. I don't know. Since I was a kid, it was always pretending to be a Jedi. Like if I could do anything or be anything from fiction, it'd probably be a Jedi. Let's be real. Mm. Ooh, what about becoming one of the Fellowship of the Ring? Jedi. Oh, yeah, Jedi. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah, as we much probably as be. I love Lord of the Rings, Jedi. <laughs> Yeah, we'd probably be hobbits. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a really amazing moment and just chills all around. So nice one, Seer. Her whole arc is just beautiful. I love it. And uh, I guess this would be a good time to talk about like her experience. So, you know, Cal confesses to her what happened during Order 66, and she tells him the full story of what happened with her. So, she, you know, she was trying to protect the younglings and her Padawan, and she feels all this guilt for giving in to um, the torture and, you know, causing uh, Trilla to be tortured and corrupted and turned into a, an Inquisitor. And the moment when Seer, Seer, the moment when Seer sees Trilla as an Inquisitor, she uses the dark side to kill everybody in the room except Trilla. And then this is why she doesn't use the Force anymore. This is like, she is so scared of going to the dark side. She's scared of 
what she how she was in that moment and she can't begin to face her trauma her own personal trauma and her failure um and i feel like that's why she is so adamant about rebuilding this jedi order she wants to do right by the younglings and the force sensitives that are out there because she failed her own um and she has a lot of respect for her master too and she wants to carry that torch um and it's great because she is basically cal's master now yeah and she finally goes at the end of the game uh it was like she just goes whatever i'm now a master (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and she does some pretty badass stuff yeah yeah Um, um so now that we have our newly forged lightsaber um we are back to dathomir to fight taryn malikos this was i think i like this this fight more than uh the trilla fight at the end honestly because trilla is really hard taryn's difficult but uh, like it feels like a little easier i guess for lack of a better word but this this mm-hmm. moment it was like i feel like a jedi right now am i even playing a game this is insane yeah i love this and you also run in the mirin who finally goes like hey like you're not that bad um <laughs> essentially saying that you know we're cool i realize it wasn't really the jedi's fault it was really all count dooku and then she's like hey malikos is up the way and cal's like all right well i guess i'm gonna go take care of that business um you go and uh do you want me to give the whole backstory on malikos uh yeah because he's got like an interesting backstory too everybody kind of shares a similar theme here you know jedi fallen order should have been called like the jedi that fell to the dark side order it was a little wordy i don't think they were gonna do that uh um um, during the Clone Wars, Malikos became one of the Jedi's most trusted generals and was renowned for his abilities as a, t- as a tactician and motivator of his troops. When Order 66 was enacted, he was betrayed and attacked by his clone troopers, but managed to escape uh, escape them on his ship. Malikos crash-landed on Dathomir and, while living there, succumbed to the dark side of the Force. At some point, he gained substantial influence over the Knight Brothers clan, who began to worship him due to his power. During his time on Dathomir, Malikos met former Padawan Cal Kestis outside the tomb of Kuzet. And we spoke about him earlier. He just seemed like this weird, innocent wanderer, just kind of like studying the history and the culture of the Dathomirian. Um all just at the same time warning Cal of what's uh, going on in the runes. Um he later on and he tries to corrupt cal to the dark side too yeah and that's the big point like when you go and finally fight him he does his last like last ditch effort of trying to you know turn him to the dark side and tell him that you know it's the only way and cal rejects him and you know takes off his uh uh robe gives us full man bod with his sweet tats and goes double lightsaber and i was like oh my god it's on <laughs> and I, lo- I love this i love this fight so much it's probably my favorite boss fight in the game as well yeah like when he's throwing the lightsabers around it's awesome and he'll he'll be like ah oh, that didn't even hurt and he's like i've been through worse um but luckily we made friends with Marin before this fight because again we're about to lose he's about to kill us Marin comes in to save the day um and and a great display of her power like she's pretty powerful like she's got some awesome abilities oh, she's a sorceress she dares- she's so badass yeah she basically just 
puts him into the ground and buries him. <laughs> planted amazing. him. Just planted him <laughs> yeah. like a flower. Like, it was incredible. And you just see him, his face slowly get covered by the rubble. It's so badass. I'm like, Mirren, like, what the hell? Where have you been this whole time? And and then, like, I was thinking this, like, as Cal and her were talking, she was like, is she going to join the team? Like, she has nothing else going on. And she joins the team. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, she's she, all aboard. <laughs> yeah, she just uh, joins the crew, which is awesome. So we finally have our Ocean's Eleven crew, um, <laughs> including Mirren. Uh, you were like, uh, you asked Mirren, she's like, "You son of a bitch, I'm in." <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, she helps us get the Astrium. She comes on board with us. Um, you get a lot of like side banter with her too. Um, like if you go to a couple different planets after beating the game. Um, Cal and her have some really interesting conversations. Uh, another great character, and I like her arc. It's basically like Cal, Trilla, and Marin are around the same age. They're like the lost generation of the Star Wars universe because they were all children who had their futures just ripped out from underneath them. And, you know, they're living in these evil times. And, you know, it's just unfortunate they're kind of all in this together. But I think that's why Cal and Marin do develop this bond because, you know, trauma again, suffering brings people together. Mm-hmm. And I love that that's like the main um, kind of theme throughout the entire game is this trauma that everyone's facing and kind of guides their actions where some people will go through trauma, end up like Trilla and persuaded by the dark side. Others will use it for good and rightful uh, righteousness and justice. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, so now that we have the Astrium and Marin is on the team, we're going back to the vault on Bogano. But when we show up, we see the Empire is here. Ugh. Or I don't know if they're here when we come back here, or it's not until the end. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's till we get to, until we get to the vault, and then we run into uh, Trilla again, who we fight for the third time. We fight for the third time, and this time we actually beat her. But because of Cal's psych- psychometry ability, when he picks up his her lightsaber, he just feels like he goes through this whole nightmare thing. And then this is how he's. This is where he sees the the events of um, of her turning. Like he sees, you know, Trilla tortured through her eyes. He he sees Seer with the long hair. Um, I don't like her haircut. She looked cool with the the long dreads. Yeah, that was way sick. And you get like a whole POV first person view of Trilla. It's really, really cool. Yeah, that was a cool, that was a cool little. And you see uh, the whole scene where Seer breaks out and uses the dark side for the first time. And that was so sick. And Trilla's like, oh, what the, oh, my bad, my bad. I take it back. I take it back. Uh, Yeah. Um, And Trilla ends up taking the holocron um, because of this. So, uh, yeah, a little defeated um, here at Bogano. We fight some Empire on our way back to the Mantis, and our next location would be the Fortress Inquisitorius on the planet Nur. which, Kevin, did you notice what kind of planet this this planet was sitting next to? Hmm, next to a lava planet, which, you know... Yes. <laughs> hmm, Star Wars lava planet? What, what planet could that be, Tyler? You, you know, in the Star Wars universe, planets just have one ecology, so the lava planet you know, by our deductions, would be Mustafar. Yeah, they were like, oh, they well, you know, we got this lava planet right here. What if we made another fortress but underwater? Uh, I do love this. This is worth maybe having the swimming in. I know I talked mad shit on the swimming mechanics, but 
this was cool. Swimming through the water to get to the the fortress, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I was expecting Naboo. You know, I was going to see the Gungan uh, <laughs> capital next to it, but you know, no dice. I'm waiting for that in the sequel. So if we if, <laughs> if we could have that in the sequel, guys, I really want to uh, swim to the Gungan uh uh, home, uh, I guess, home city. Does that have a name? I feel a bad Star Wars fan. Uh, yeah, but is it important? Uh, no. I think is it on. just called like uh the Gungan City. I don't know. Yeah, who it doesn't matter? Yeah, who cares? Um, <laughs> moving on. Yes. Uh, what did you make of the Fortress Inquisitors? Um, do I give a little background before we discuss it, or do you want to give our opening thoughts? Uh, no. Go ahead. So the Fortress Inquisitorius is a heavily armored underwater fortress, as we were just talking about, concealed within the Black Seas on the shadow world of Nur. The stronghold serves as the central seat of the Imperial Inquisitor program. The Emperor's ruthless crusade to eradicate the Jedi Order from every corner of the galaxy... To maintain a public perception of peace and security, the existence of the fortress is intentionally hidden from the Empire at large, although rumors swirl of a dark site where Force users go to die or worse. So essentially this is the torture center for all uh, Force-wielding or former Jedis uh, around the galaxy. And it's, this is where. Uh, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. No, you're fine. I was gonna say like it's touched upon a little bit in Star Wars Rebels and mentioned before, but we actually get some real like we get to go there firsthand, which is really badass. Yeah, this is cool. This is probably where you know uh, Seer was when she was being tortured. This is probably where Trilla, or this is definitely where Trilla and the ninth sister would have been, you know, corrupted to the dark side and became Inquisitors. Um, so we get another like little gauntlet before the final boss fight um, where we're fighting all sorts of purge troopers as security droids are here. Um, they got the, we didn't, I didn't, I don't think we talked about this at all. I mean, the game looks amazing. Um, the, the spaces that are empire look so empire and it's, I don't know. It just, just gives me OT vibes. It's like what I love about star Wars is just the look and the sound effects. Like, it's spot on and mm-hmm. it's really well done here. And the whole set piece of the fortress inquisitorious is awesome. Yeah. The empire has such a unique aesthetic and they just nailed it. Especially with all the mining areas that were all empire, um, all the ships, all the sound effects, the banter between all the stormtroopers. Uh, it was perfect from every aspect. And especially this whole like just the metal chrome and all the different computers and everything like just how everything was set up it was just how i would have imagined it so again respawn nice one and what did you think of the fight do you remember how how many tries it took you to get past this uh with trilla or the gauntlet uh trilla so I think Trilla took me about, I want to be honest <laughs> and say about eight times. How about you? Probably a little bit more than eight. How many stim packs did you have here? I think at this point in the game, I never really found them till late in the game. And I actually had to look up because I feel like I was, I was on Dathomir and I still only had two uh, stim packs. So I oh wow, and that's why I really struggled with Dathomir, and I was getting so frustrated with it. And I was like, wait, I feel as though I must have missed all of them. I think at this point in the game, I think I had six. I think so. I don't. I definitely missed the. How many in the game are there? I finished the game you with can six. Get ten. Yeah, you can get ten. 
Yeah, I was only able to find six through my playthrough. I didn't. Uh, I had to look up for a, the. I just wanted a couple more, so I felt like I was fine with just six. Yeah, yeah, ten is overkill. Um, it's it is fun to have all of the stim packs maxed out because you can get an ability where a stim pack completely refills your force meter. And I've been trying to. 100% the game with all the collectibles and exploration and it's a lot of fun running through these levels with like basically what feels like infinite force because it's just so much easier and it's very satisfying you're just playing uh, on uh, Jedi God mode essentially yeah basically that's awesome but, uh, yeah I think I had like six or seven at this point I, I remember reading like a week after this came out people were like you could find more stim packs like I beat it with two and they were like what the fuck no that <laughs> was, was like oh shit dude, that was me like I was like where are these things and then I like looked up a YouTube video and I was like oh all right I guess if I just took an extra two minutes to explore <laughs> you know what I mean I felt like a dummy but I was just so excited just to get through the story and I was like oh I'm just doing great with just two so up to Dathomir I only had two yeah yeah, yeah. which is doable I was but, also playing on Jedi Knight so it wasn't that hard yeah yeah, I mean, it, if anything, it's just like you're kind of curtailing your own difficulty, you know, which is fine. But uh, yeah, I think it took she took me maybe like over ten times. Um, she was pretty tough because you know, it would have been easier with uh, maxed out skills, but I still had like four skills, four or five skills I needed to get, and I didn't upgrade the lightsaber damage, and I didn't have the force refill skill. So she was pretty tough, but overall, it was very satisfying to actually beat her. And, you know, what follows this fight is one of my favorite moments in Star Wars ever, I think. Honestly, it's that good. Yeah, so you start having this heart-to-heart. Seer shows up um, and starts... You can see that Trill is starting to be convinced that, okay, maybe I should go to the light side. And you just hear that iconic breathing coming from behind Trilla. And you're just like, oh, God, it's him. Darth Vader's here? Holy shit. (laughs) I was not expecting this at all. I'm so glad this wasn't spoiled for me. I was geek. I was like just trying to stay off YouTube uh, or anything that would have spoiled this for me. Um, Cause I remember like stuff from God of War was spoiled for me. Stuff with uh, the Spider-Man video game. Several games have been spoiled for me bad. And I was like, I, this is star Wars. This is close to my heart. I do not want this spoiled for me. Chill oh, chills down my spine. And then, Darth Vader just comes up behind Trilla and says, you failed me, I believe. And yeah. Trilla goes like, save us or something like Avenge that. Us. Avenge us. And just gets totally shellacked by Darth Vader's lightsaber. It was amazing. Yeah, this is insane. Um, I envy you because I got this spoiled for me and Order 66 spoiled for me. Oh, I did get people just. I did get Order 66 spoiled for me. Sorry to interrupt, but that I, no, I no, did get I, that. I didn't know when to expect it. I didn't. I thought Darth Vader might show up like, you know, I was expecting the end when I knew he was in the game. But Order 66, I thought that was going to happen at the very start. And I was like, oh, where is this going to be in the game? So I guess I knew it was coming, but I didn't know when it was coming. But, you know, I figured if I haven't seen Darth Vader yet, he's going to be there at the end. But still, it was a great moment. I really enjoyed it. You know, there's that saying, put the fear of God into you. Well, this game does a damn good job of putting the fear of Darth Vader in you. He is, he's got a very short presence in the game, but he's very effective. 
Um, it reminds me of how they used him in Rogue One. He shows up, does some crazy ass shit. He feels like an unstoppable force. Like it acts like he's a boss fight, like a second phase boss fight, but they don't give him a health bar just to signify that you have no chance against this dude. You can go up and try to hit him, but he's just going to grab, grab you, you know, with his force choke and he's going to tear you up, Cal. And I love Cal's character because Vader is like, you should surrender. And Cal's like, yeah, probably. And then he's just standing his ground. I was like, Cal, you are the fucking man. This is awesome. Yeah, I love that Respawn realized like there would be no chance that Cal would be able to take down Darth Vader. Like They, they didn't even make that a possibility. It's not like in the Force Unleashed where you're going toe-to-toe and kind of beating up on him. Like, yeah, you smack him around in that game. You knock off his helmet. Like, you slam stuff onto him. Like, Cal stands no chance, and they make you know that straight up. Um, and I love that, and it just becomes this crazy, like, runaway segment where Darth Vader is chasing you, and he's using the Force to tear apart the ground and all the stuff around you. Stormtroopers are flying, and he's cutting down... Uh, what's it called uh like cal closes the door on him he immediately comes right through like you just show and he's darth vader's just staying there just one-handing his lightsaber just going through everyone like it's no one's business i love that they made him essentially like god mode in this like yeah you you have no chance yeah uh it was great yeah so you run away from him after i like when he's choking you and then you have to just force pull something to, to just distract him, basically, giving you just enough time to run away. Um, if you feel like you escaped him, and then, boom, you open this door, and he's standing right in front of you. And then BD-1 is, like, the most fearless droid ever and a true friend because he just cr- climbs onto Darth Vader and shocks him. And at that point, I'm like, oh, my God, Vader, don't you dare touch my BD-1. My buddy. Please don't touch BD-1. But luckily, Seer comes in to save us. Um, like, cause Seer jumps at him first, and then Darth Vader just like with the flick of his hand is like, "You're out of here," and she just falls away. Yeah, that was actually I actually kind of laughed. I went, "Nice one, Seer." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, it, she just got punked like Boba Fett, but no, she comes back and uh, her ent- re-entrance is badass. She like throws the saber, uh, tr- like tries to hit him, and then does this fancy ass roll. Um, you know, Cal gets stabbed with his own lightsaber when he's trying to get it back from Vader. A lot of crazy shit's going on here. And then uh, Seer is like, she's trying to bring Vader down with the dark side. And Vader's got that comment. He's like, strong with the dark side you are. You would have made a powerful Inquisitor. And Cal's like, she's stronger than that. And, you know, you still have a choice, Seer. And then it's like a switch in her head. And instead of like forcing Vader down, she creates like this, this uh, defensive bubble to protect them. Um, I, I thought that was a really cool touch with, you know, the different kinds of powers we see a with the light versus the dark. force field, if I may. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> All right, I'm done. The good night, everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're in this force field bubble, and then Cal, uh, being super smart, sees that there's, like, this broken window where, like, it's, like... Uh, compromise so he like force pushes that out causing all this water to flood in um giving him uh, an opportunity to escape with seer but uh they're they're both kind of um wounded and exhausted um they're swimming up and then cal passes out which is pretty believable but i did oh because he gives seer the rebreather that he had but then marin jumps in and and then pulls them both aboard the mantis Mm. Yep, and this brings us to the conclusion of our adventure. We now have the um, whereabouts of all the Jedi Padawan, and it becomes, uh, you know, 
uh, decision time for Cal and the crew. And I, I like this a lot because um, we see Cal, Cal has a ton of visions through the game and he sees what could happen if he went out to search for these force, these young force sensitives. Um, we get that awesome moment where he has the red lightsaber and he sees himself as an inquisitor. So he's afraid of what could happen. And, you know, Marin brings it up. Maybe it isn't such a good idea to bring the Jedi back since they're being hunted. And this ultimately uh, leads to him destroying the holocron, um, you know, just to protect them, you know, basically. Yeah, he essentially says, let the force decide their fate and don't let it bring into his own hands, which could ultimately lead to their death. So really cool ending. I love that Cal makes it, you know, to trust the force like his master had taught him. And, you know, it just came really full circle. I really um, loved this uh, conclusion. I love this ending. And he's so optimistic. He's like excited to be a Jedi, which is great to see that he's kind of embraced, embraced this part of himself. And he's like, where to next? And I'm like, where to next? Damn right. Where are we going next? Please give us more of this respawn. It was so fun. This this game was amazing. Yeah, I was just like literally just like shaking. I was so happy. I was like, I want more. I want more. I want more. But I mean, how long did it take you to beat this game? I mean, I probably put like 30 some hours into this. I mean, it was definitely a lengthy, full Star Wars adventure, single player experience that I wanted from start to finish, from the tutorial to this uh, climactic finish. It was everything I would have wanted out of a 2019 single player Star Wars game. No microtransactions, no pay to win, just a full game out of the box, $60, and you get an amazing story. I think this is like one of my most favorite Star Wars stories in the entire canon. Like, honestly, like this story is fantastic. Yeah. Some of the best characters in the entire series. Yeah, like you could not make this into a movie. It's so deep with the lore. There's so many different, um, you know, character building that would take hours and hours of time to do. Um, that's what I love about this, that like Star Wars is the perfect medium for video games. And I think Respawn did an excellent job of truly uh, bringing this together. And I, I really am so excited to see what they do next. Kev, if there was a sequel of this in mind, where do you think it should go? What would it be like? Well, Endor, because we need Ewoks. That's the one thing that was missing in this game. Just more dumb Ewoks. People forget they saved the Rebels. Um, they, saved, they, they saved the galaxy. Um, I don't know. I think it's... I, I guess you could follow up with more Inquisitors. I guess that could be... But I feel like, you know, we've already done this and... I feel as though Seer wouldn't have any attachment to any of that kind of stuff uh, because Trill is dead now. I think that's like that road has been uh, already gone down. So I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Maybe do you have any ideas? It might spark some stuff for me. Well, you know, the unfortunate thing about this setting is we, we see what the future holds for the galaxy, at least most of it, you know, what they show us in the movies. So Cal and, company could be out on doing some adventures but if they were going to do another story i think the only way they could match the emotional stakes is to have you know cal have some kind of heroic sacrifice 
you know, to save the galaxy in some kind of way. Um, because we went through this whole trauma thing. What else is there left to do? I would be totally fine if this is the end of Cal's story. It, I'd be sad because I want to see more of these characters. And I, and I think they could probably find another great story to tell with these characters. But I would play a game like this in the Clone Wars era. I would play it as a dark side user. Like they could do a ton of stuff. This is Star Wars. There's the possibilities are endless. Yeah, and you also have the in-between time of episode three and four, which we could go hang out with a young Han Solo, maybe bring Woody Harrelson's character from the Solo movie. Uh, we could go do some smuggling. We could also go hung, hang out with Obi-Wan Kenobi, maybe do an adventure with him. Um, that would be kind of cool. I don't know. I feel like there's so much you could tap into. Um because I don't think you can do like the whole like, oh, we got to raise up a new Jedi Academy thing. Because I feel like that's kind of been hit on the head now because they pretty much said like, let them do what they want and save them. So right. I'm hmm, I'm not sure. What characters would you like to have in the in the sequel? Well, yeah, I mean, if they do continue this story, obviously I, I want to be playing as Cal again. Or it would be cool if they did like a jump and maybe he gets a Padawan or something. I mean, they could probably develop seer and cal's relationship more i mean i feel like they're all good at the end of this so what kind of contra or um, conflict could they incite um you know i'm really down for whatever respawn decides to do because as long as it's the same writing team like i i trust that they're gonna do a good job and do it justice mm -hmm. but i really would like to to fool around with dark side powers because those are just way way cooler or, you know, if they expanded on light side powers in more interesting ways, like I would like to see a more fluid movement system. Like there's Jedi can jump way higher than just this Jedi double jump. There's also force speed and mind trick like that. That would have been cool to implement in this game, like having enemies fight each other. I'm surprised they didn't put that something like that in here. Um, but yeah, again, there's just so much they could do. Yeah, I... I'm not sure like it could be different force powers could be a dark versus light um I don't know I feel like they have so many things because Star Wars just is so just not to be cliche but expanded you know what I mean there's so many different avenues you can go down but overall Respawn just absolutely knocked it out of the park first try so and you know this from the Titanfall series to Apex Legends this is a great company and they have not in my opinion made a bad game so if you had to put a number one out of ten, what would you what would you give Jedi Fallen Order? I would probably give this. I want to say a nine. Um, I'll you know what I'm gonna stick to my guns. I'm gonna go with my gut feeling, my first thought. I'm gonna say a nine out of ten. Yeah, yeah, I I could see that. I would give it an eight out of ten, just because I feel like. There's a lot of potential left in the actual gameplay mechanics. The story is amazing. You know, that really gives it, puts it up in, the, you know, the higher numbers for me. But, you know, I could see them really perfecting this system and this game with a follow-up, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just hope they make it less buggy. I hope they take more of their time and definitely flush out uh, maybe more RPG elements with the different lightsaber styles and stuff like that. And possibly have more uh 
maybe even like costumes instead of just the poncho um that would be kind of nice and but in terms of like the lightsaber customization that stuff was cool um but i feel like there's so much more they can do with this yeah we could probably sit here for another hour just like fantasizing about what we want next but uh yeah i don't know this was a great game um and i think we're pretty comprehensive with it so i hope uh listeners enjoy um this was probably going to be our longest episode (laughs) oh no for sure but i enjoyed i get to hang out with my best friend and talk star wars for hours and talk about a game we both love so it really went by in like five minutes i don't know if it did for you guys but for me uh i definitely could sit here for hours but guys thank you so much and may the force be with you may the force be with you (laughs) Oh, my God.